Wrestling fans of all ages and our side of the IWC patrons, welcome back to the In Time Wrestling Podcast. It's time. It's time. We're back here. Episode 3. Here to cover AEW and NXT again. We were going to do a SmackDown episode, but completely slipped our minds the entire time. Because, boy oh boy, do our brains not work sometimes. Whoopsies. <laughs> we were, I wanted to do Monday Night Raw, but... We both pretty much came to the conclusion that fucking Raw was an absolute throwaway. That was rough. There was nothing really to Monday Night Raw that was really a draw in, really. Like, I I don't know why. It was just so much bad. Like, I think the only thing I legitimately gave a shit about for Raw was a fucking hype package. And that was the Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar one. Because there was something about that hype package. Because, of course, WWE, we know, does... Fucking insane hype packages. Their video packages are insane. Yeah. But other than that, Raw just felt so throwaway. And I was like, we're not even going to bother with this. We, I had you come down because I wanted you to watch the show. So we could have done an episode. We were going to cover SmackDown with that. But again, SmackDown slipped our minds. And Raw wasn't really worth covering. But we're back here to cover... AEW and NXT from this week. Again, I think NXT, again, really great show this week. AEW, again, had its moments. Yeah. It wasn't better, in my opinion, but I still think it was, it had its moments. It's one of those decent shows. And honestly, I think I want to start there. So, I think we're going to start with uh, AEW instead, because... That's where we usually would start, because why the hell not? Uh, show kicked off with John Moxley, the return of John Moxley. Welcome back, Mox. Holla fucking Louie, it's good to see you. He looks really good, holy crap. Yeah, he does. You could see, like, before he left, how much he's kind of sadly let himself go, I have to say. Which uh-huh. was really kind of sad to say. Mm-hmm. But he looks really good. He comes out. He says... A little while ago, and then some dickhead in the crowd screams, get this drunken idiot the fuck out of the ring. Which results in Mox telling him to go fuck himself on live television. Drops an F-bomb and tells the guy to go fuck himself and get that guy out of here. Just Moxley telling a, a, a heckler in the crowd to go fuck himself on live TBS television is somehow so fitting and so, like, profound. <laughs> Even of... JR said it himself. He was like, well, his language definitely didn't change. And I was like, really, yeah, like, JR? That fits Mox so well. It was so funny. 
And I, I, that guy can go fuck himself, first off, because why the fuck you gotta bring it up like a, like a dick? Yeah, honest, honestly, what a piece of shit. And what a fucking idiot, because you paid all that money to go to a show, to, at the start of the show, you don't even make it through the show. You got kicked out because you're a fucking moron. You get kicked out fucking three minutes into the show because you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> You paid probably like what forty five, maybe fifty dollars for those seats, and you who get knows, maybe out. even more. Because I don't even know how much fucking tickets go for nowadays. But that was fucking a waste. What an idiot! Imagine being that fucking stupid. But he picks up the mic again after that. He still got the mic in his hand. He goes, "A little while ago, he fell asleep on a plane. He woke up from a bad dream when they landed. He was on the side of the road, on his hands and knees in the dirt, all bruised up." clouds over him and a demon the kind that follows you around your whole life who tells him that none of the good things in his life were supposed to happen and asked if he really thought he was going to make it out he woke up before he had a chance to answer and nobody gets through life unscathed he's got more scars in his body than the average person but the important ones are the ones on the inside and harder to see sometimes we try to cover them up and pretend they're not there but those are the ones we should be proud of that tell our story and make us who we are. Nobody's perfect. And no matter who you are, you shouldn't be afraid to stand up in front of the whole world and bear who you are and say, Hey, this is me. So that being said, he's sure there are plenty of people around the world who want to write him off, who doubt him. And it won't be the first or the last time. But if you want to doubt him, you say whatever you want, he'll tell you the same thing he'd have told that demon. To take it all and shove it up his ass. Which, fucking great. I love, Mox is a hell of a fucking promo every time. He's still great at it. Yeah. <clears throat> he says he doesn't run from demons, he just beats the shit out of them. And for everybody in the building and around the world that's had his back and supported him through thick and thin, thank you. He tells the crowd, buckle up. So we're going to go on a ride in 2022 and he's going to grab pro wrestling by the balls and do whatever he wants. Well, he was already doing whatever he wants. So yeah. who's telling John Moxley? Won't be, no, won't be too much of a difference by the description of it. Yeah. Right. Because now more than anyone in this business, he's free. And I was like, it feels like he just like lifted a weight off his shoulders when he said yeah. that. He says, if anybody in AEW or around the world thinks they can put him through more hell than he's already been through, Know this, he's thirsty, and if you thought he was dangerous before, all he drinks is blood. This felt like just a, a way for Mox to vent. Yeah. Just get, just to tell everybody that, yeah, I was, I did what I did, I freaking got myself clean, I'm making myself better. His way of thanking everybody for supporting him. I love this, this was great. And I, uh, it's I feel like they tried to make it be like, look, we announced Mox first, even though GCW beat them to the punch by announcing that Mox has a GCW title match with Homicide. I bet that I bet that stung a little bit just for Tony Khan to be like, <laughs> who the fuck is GCW to announce our, our, our competitor that is coming back before we open? But GCW has a right to because he's their world champion. So he couldn't be announced before that, but... It, it was cool. I, I after I saw the announcement that the GCW title announcement, I I immediately thought, well, AEW is gonna have to bring him back at some point. Like, there's yeah. no way they're gonna wait 
to drag him out and then go, hey, he's back. But perfect vent session for Mox. Good to see him back. Can't wait to see what we got. We go to commercial. We come back. It's MJF and Wardlow backstage. MJF still going off on CM Punk, saying he should have taken his early onset spinal stenosis and given up and lost the match against Wardlow last week. The way I seen that, I kind of agreed with him because I'm honestly surprised because I still, again, we talked about it last or last episode that Wardlow could have beaten Punk at the point at the rate he was going, but of course, you know, CM Punk, he's got to have a win, you know. Of course, he's not going to lose to anybody else at this fucking point. And that because today at the end yesterday was Wardlow's birthday. Yeah. Was it actually Wardlow's birthday? I think it was, yeah. Well, anyway, he says he's got a present for Wardlow, and it's an apology. So he apologizes to him about last week. But then says, as a result of the loss, he has to dock his pay. But promises that the money will keep flowing back in once he gets back on track. Again, it's it still feels like... The little teases of the breakup, because Wardlow, you saw the look on his face of the whole, oh, God, he's got to cut my pay, really? And then MJF brought up the fact that if if he was a little more seasoned, he would have been able to kick out of a, of a shitty small package like That's fucked Pumps up. did. <laughs> that is fucked up. That is so fucked up. Wardlow dominated the ever-loving fuck out of CM Punk. So what the fuck does MJF know about fucking anything like god <laughs> but then says sean spears will show the world and wardlow how to get the job done he'll be right there on commentary as well yeah sean spears really showed the world something oh. later that later to that <sighs> night so i feel like i'm still on and off with mjf and punk i feel like the original start the 20 minute promo that we got battle the promo battle we got at the beginning fucking so strong loved it Mm -hmm. and everything from there just doesn't feel like it's been clicking we had the one mjf promo that just felt like him repeating himself and saying nothing of importance then we had the cm punk freaking promo of rambling that was just talking about sports teams and all that other shit yeah that that was the the heel punk promo that he cut in uh, MJF's hometown and all he kept bringing up was the Islanders. I don't... I hate the fucking whole... Like, Punk, we get it. You're you're a hockey fan, but there's there's more in Long Island or Rhode Island or whatever it was. It was Long Island. There's more in Lodi- or Long Island than the Islanders. Uh, Bring something else up. It was just... I hate the fucking constant... The heel promos got to involve talking about the sports team and shit like that. It's so, so played out. Like, come on. Like the whole punk calling MJF a low budget Miz. I thought that was fucking hysterical. And punk being called PG punk because that's pretty fucking funny. I'm not going to lie. This isn't MJF comparing CM Punk to Ryback. I forgot about the Ryback promo. That was fucking great. He said, if a shitty move set warranted a 500-day title reign, or, or something <laughs> like that, I, 
I, I thought we would be talking about Ryback. <laughs> it was so funny because just Ryback is such a terrible fucking person right now. He's such a dick. But just to hear somebody bring him up, the fact that somebody actually used Ryback's name in a promo in fucking like 2021, 22 area is fucking hysterical. But again, I just feel like I'm like on and off with this feud so far. It's just like, it's there, and then you just pull me out of it, and you pull me back into it, and you pull me back out of it. Like, I I, I still feel like we're saving this for a pay-per-view. And the thing that sucks is I really think that this is going to be a fucking five trials of Jericho style thing with CM Punk. Which, fuck no. None of that, please. The five trials of Jericho thing was fucking awful. Technically, it was four trials and then MJF. It was supposed to be five trials, which then led to Oh, yeah, that's MJF. right. The fifth trial was MJF, which... Which but, doesn't make any sense, because... Because then they went, had the other match after, so what the fuck was the point? And they originally said that he had to go through five trials to get to MJF, but MJF was then the fifth trial? Yeah, that, that's... That's not he, how that works. <laughs> yeah, he was the fifth trial, and they got to the MJF match. So technically, you already got to the fucking point where you're getting to, but then said... Ah, uh, 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 that's not what we told you. <laughs> that's just... I want to be interested in this, but I still feel like I'm getting drug out of it. Yeah. Uh, I really hope it's not another Trials thing, because if MJF... MJF this, Sean Spears was his last bodyguard. So are you going to tell me MJF is going to start bringing in fucking CM Punk's past... Is he going to bring in Ryback? <laughs> God, can we not? Is he going to convince Tony to have a punk and cult match? What person in their right mind is excited to even contemplate the thought of Ryback again? I'm not. Let's not and say we did. Because, like, again, like you just said, what are we going to pull out here? We're going to bring Ryback back? Going to dig into the ROH freaking vault and go, okay, who did Punk face? Is this where Samoa Joe debuts or something? But again, like, what the fuck? What are you going to bring in Homicide again and have him fight it with Punk? I'm sorry. The Homicide debut on AEW was probably one of the biggest wastes I've ever seen in my life. Wasn't it for uh, Moxley and Eddie Kingston? Against Suzuki and Archer. Yeah. He showed up. And again, that was only to promote the freaking build for the show that was happening the same night as them. Actually, that happened the night before them. (laughs) Which was so fucking weird because that show was taped. But it was to hype the Suzuki homicide match that had happened the night before them. (laughs) So they did the entire fucking thing all backwards. It was so fucking off. I was like, wait a second. You you discombobulated the timeline here. Like, that's not right. You're promoting a match that already happened. I'm like, this is so fucking weird. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to see it go down the route of 
the five trials of Jericho again. Yeah, I, I get that they want to... They're probably just trying to stretch it out as far as possible. It's, it's definitely so going to a pay-per-view. Yeah, they're stretching it so they could get get it to a pay-per-view. But I, hi- I highly doubt it's going to be on a TV special like Beach Break or yeah. Winter is Coming or anything like that. Yeah, but there's just... There's, there's so much you could do, really. That, what else can you really do? Are you going to just have MJF be running from punk every single week that's what i'm saying that's the thing that's weird about it is it's like do you just have this end at sean spears like it did last night as from when we were recording this or do you somehow keep it dragging on because i'm not i wouldn't be surprised if mjf finds some fucking way to bring somebody else in as a as an extender to keep this going until we get to like what the hell's their next pay-per-view i wonder is it like it's probably Revolution? I don't remember. I think it's Revolution. So far, so long ago, I don't even remember what they advertised. It was full gear last time, but I think I think Revolution's next. Yeah, I know. But are we really dragging this out to Revolution? Like I don't even know when that is. Yeah, I don't. It, like I said, their last pay per view was so long ago. I don't remember even when that was. <laughs> oh God, but I, it needs to like. It needs to pull me back in because I'm still not. I'm getting. I'm starting to pull, get pulled out here, and it's and I'm not, and I'm not stopping them from it because it's just like yeah, I'm not really because again I'm not in, fully invested in CM Punk anymore because I used to be a big Punk fan, but I'm not into Punk. I lost all my interest in CM Punk from all the years he was gone and all the shitty talk on pro wrestling about how it was bullshit and all that crap like that. But you know. I could come back to the thing that I can talk shit about because that makes a lot of fucking sense. And then let's be real here. His AEW run has not been all that spectacular. He's had some good matches, sure, and his feuds have been alright. Like, his feud with Darby was good. His feud with MJF is good for the most part. That's ongoing. I've seen a lot of people that that love the Eddie Kingston thing, but I don't know if that's really just because they love AEW so much or if it's just because they like the feud. It it was alright, but other than that, other than those three high-profile feuds, he's been in nothing matches that are pretty much just giving him wins. Like, I'm sorry to say this about, like, the likes of Lee Moriarty and the likes that CM Punk has beaten that now it's like what 12 and 0 or something something about that but now the rankings reset remember oh yeah so he's probably like 2 he's 2 and 0 i think it is about yeah 2 and 0 for now. the year for the year right now and overall i think he's like 12 or 11 or and 0 yeah but he just other than the the actual feud matches that he has they're not like special he just, they just throw him in the ring with mm-hmm. people that he, I, I feel like he picks his opponents. He's like, I want to face you. And then they put him together and they're just like, hmm. yeah, Punk's going to win. So it doesn't really, it, nobody goes into a CM Punk match nowadays on AEW and thinks that he's going to lose. Yeah. It's, it's still uberly predictable that CM Punk's going to win all the time. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because, again, I still think they're trying to give him as much wins as possible to get him to the world title. I'm telling you they're trying to get him to that world championship. 
so they can fucking strap it on CM Punk and go, not only are we the company that brought back CM Punk, but we gave him a world championship. Well, two things. One, I do agree. But I don't think they will strap it on him, like, immediately. No, I don't think so either. I'm just saying, I think they're trying to get him to it, though. Well, yeah, I know I know what you mean, but uh, I don't think when he gets his first title match, I don't think he's winning that first title match. Oh, I, I, I think it's it. I think it's going to be a story where he's like, I fought all these years to get, fought in quotations, to get all, all these years to get back and get back at the top of the mountain and I'm not going to give up just because I got knocked down once or mm. some shit like that. Yeah. But I truly believe... Because as of right now, we we can pretty much all say that Wardlow has been the closest to a CM Punk loss. Yeah. Which is fucking crazy. I mean, you could say Darby Allen was pretty close, because imagine if Darby Allen had beaten CM Punk on his first night. Well, it was close, but it was very obvious that yeah. Punk was going to win. Punk's not going to lose his debut match. I mean, it is, and it is Darby Allen. He is the guy that will make you feel like you have no chance of winning. Because you'll see him get this flurry and you'll go, oh my god, Darby's got a chance to do this. And it's kind of like a it's kind of like a, like a barrier. So you'll be like, oh, there's we, we won't see the Punk win coming. But then as soon as the Punk win happens, it's like, damn, that's so fucking obvious. Yeah, and I truly believe that MJF should be the one to get Punk's first loss. MJF is at the point where he needs the he needs a win. He's lost so much right now. Like again, I don't see him I just I don't know if they're going to if they're willing to give Punk that loss to benefit MJF though. That's the thing that weirds me out about it. Like I want to say MJF is going to be the one to give Punk his first loss. But I don't know, because MJF just feels like he's on this, like, big roller coaster where it's like, you're not going to see him get the big wins, but he's going to get some wins. And that's, like, really shitty. That MJF was at world title contention against Mox and lost. That was his first loss at the time when he was undefeated as well, because technically you can count that he was undefeated at the time, because he would even go around and say it. But then he lost to Mox. And since then, it's just been like downhill, uphill, downhill, uphill. And every feud, it seems like it's just him losing, him losing, him losing. And it's so the say, big, it's the big feuds. It's not the little feuds either. And that's what sucks. It's like the little feuds. He wins. But then it's like you get to the big ones, like with the Jericho shit. And when he had the chance against Mox, and now he's going up against Punk. And he just seems like he never gets the job done when it comes to the big feuds, which really kind of sucks. Are we... Are, are you trying to say and compare that MJF is AEW's version of Bray Wyatt? Literally all talk and could never win a feud? You, it's kind of scary to think of, but it might be true. Like, if you think about it, pre-Fiend, I don't think I can remember a feud that Bray Wyatt No, because remember, Bray Wyatt was on that stint of he was losing a lot. Like, he lost pretty much every feud. Mm -hmm. Like, he had that one win, I think. He had the one feud where he clean swept, and I do not remember who the fuck it was against. Yeah, I don't remember. 
but I remember him like late, later on when he was in the company for a little while, he was losing so many feuds, but then he clean swept one feud like 2-0. But after that, it was just right back to losing every fucking feud. He'd come out, talk on the mic and go, man, the fireflies are coming. They can see you. We're going to make sure that you're surrounded in darkness. Make sure you eat your demise, man. Yeah, and I'm like, cool. He's such a fucking good promo. But he can't get the job done every fucking feud, whether it's a big feud, little feud. It really kind of sucks. Yeah. And that's kind of what MJF's at the point. Like, he doesn't really win a lot of feuds lately. So, him being Bray Wyatt is kind of a fucking accurate depiction right now. And it sucks. Yeah. But... Let's just let's just see if this feud can pull me back into it because something's got to happen to start spicing this up because it it feels like it it started off high, kind of dropped down a little bit, and now it just kind of feels like it's flat ground. Yeah, it's like a chart. It's like a fucking pie chart where you just look at the chart and it goes up, and goes down, and it's just this straight across. That's all I feel like it is right now. It's just kind of moving along, and then it's gonna find its high spot again. Maybe find another one from there. And then drop down again for as long as this is going. But first match of the night was the mixed tag match. Adam Cole, Britt Baker, Chris Statlander, and Orange Cassidy. This match honestly wasn't terrible. It really wasn't bad. There's a lot of cool like teasing spots like, oh, is the are the women gonna go at it with the men? Like Adam Cole was teasing to hit Chris Statlander with a Fucking uh, uh, Canadian destroyer on the ramp. Yeah, the the one thing that fucking annoys me with mixed tag matches is the hot tag part on anything in a in a mixed tag match. Yeah, if somebody makes the tag, if it's if the women have to face the women and the men have to face the men, if the two women are in the ring and one hot tags, I don't know why the other one's standing there. On the other side, with their hand out for the fucking tag. Like, it doesn't make sense. If they're going to get the tag, just get in. Yeah. You don't have to sit there like, you got to make sure you tag me. How dare you miss the tag? Don't do it. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, it fucking looks stupid. Like, they did that last night when Statlander and Baker were in the ring. And they both did, like, the hot tag crawl to go make the tag. And Britt made the tag. But Orange Cassie's still sitting there with his hand out. I'm like... You gotta go in. You can't... You don't... It doesn't matter. What the fuck's the matter about the tag at that point? He's legal. You get in now. It's pretty much an automatic tag. Yeah. Like, that shit is so stupid looking. But, honestly, this match wasn't bad. And I don't... And again, and it's not making me a fan of Britt Baker, but I don't know what it was. Because she was around these three that are really fucking good. And I felt like she was just able to just turn it up a little bit. So that she kind of stood out a little bit. And that was like, she, she wasn't just like the odd person out. like. Not to mention she took the table bump. Yeah, the, let's get to the ending there. Like, they had the him and her and Cole try to set up the table on the floor. And she gets him on the ring apron. And Cassidy goes for the orange punch. Cole ducks and he hits the ropes and drops her through the table. I was like, what I do, the hell? I do have to say something though. If... If by any small, slim chance that somebody within AW is listening to this, can you please, please specify or 
announce that you have New Japan rule set. Please. It is so infuriating yeah. to watch people use weapons on true. the floor and don't get DQ'd. Yeah, because New Japan has that rule. If a weapon is used outside of the ring, there is no DQ. If a weapon is used inside of the ring, it's a DQ. So that is needs to be more specified in AEW because they have had so many times where they're pretty much, we believe they're going off regular rules here. Yeah. It's the normal thing. If a weapon's used at any point during a match, it's a DQ, no matter what. But they've used so many weapons on the floor and gotten away with it. Like, say, the ladder bump with Sammy Guevara. And the, the guardrail spot with Sammy and Sean Spears. Yeah. And this, the, the that's numerous, the one I meant, not the ladder, the the guardrail. Yeah, yeah, and the numerous times that they've used the fucking uh, the, the timekeeper table. table. Yeah, they've used the these weapons, and they're in plain view of the ref. Normally, that would be a DQ. So just say that you have New Japan's rules. Yeah, there's no DQs on the floor because it's not in the circle. It's not in the squared circle. So it would make more sense. Because, again, I love the New Japan rules. I love that. I love how you can't throw a match out because a weapon got used on the floor. Because it's like, it's not technically part of the ring. Which I get that. Which I like that. It makes more sense. Yeah. Like, if you got in the ring and you used a chair on somebody, I can understand that's a DQ. But if you go outside, you're not in the squared circle anymore. That's not in the ring. So, technically, if you everything's legal at that point. Mm-hmm. It, like, it... Again, it's the same thing with an interference. Pretty much would be the same thing. If someone interfered on the floor, it's not a DQ. If it's in the ring, it's a DQ. That's it. It makes sense. Like, it just... I've, I saw somebody talk about that. And shout out to Matt from Smacking It Raw. He was the one who talked about it. And it makes fucking sense. I don't get why the fucking table spots are just brushed off like, uh, it was a table spot. Yeah. With nothing, but and this was really good. I still, still, still thought this was solid because, again, Britt Baker wasn't terrible. And again, because I think because she was in there, because she knew who she was in there with. That's the thing. And then plus her and Statlander just seemed, she. that's the one person right now in AEW that she has, like, the best chemistry with for some reason. Every other woman for some reason, she just doesn't have it. But when she gets in the ring with Chris Statlander so far, this is the second time that I've seen her in the ring with Chris Statlander, and she's done so much better. Like, there was one little part where I didn't like where she looked pretty sloppy, and that was the whole roll-up where she tried to get her into the lockjaw, but then she changed it to a backslide. Her roll-through was a little slow. Yeah. But other than that, like, she did a good, she did a solid job tonight. Or last night, I should say. But she did pretty solid. She's in there with Adam Cole. She's in there with her boyfriend. She's in there with Orange Cassidy, who's really fucking good, even though he's got the lazy stuff, but the lazy stuff's fucking funny. And Chris Statlander's really good. So, shouts on Britt Baker for that one last night. The thing is about this feud is I... It's, I, it's I really, starting to get to that point again. It's You can already feel it starting to get to that point like we talked about. Yeah, but the, the other thing that I, I really need to know about this feud is what exactly is the point? Every single time Orange Cassidy and the best friends 
get in the ring with Adam Cole and the Super Click slash Red Dragon. Mm -hmm. They get beat the fuck up. They have never gotten over Adam and the Super Click and Red Dragon. They're, they haven't. Every single time they go face-to-face, -face, they get their ass whipped. How many times do we have to see Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends get beat up by or by Ad Adam Cole and the Super Click and Red Dragon before it gets old? It's true, because the more they lose, the more this doesn't feel like a feud, the more this just feels like, here's Adam Cole getting wins, you know? Adam Cole should be getting wins, and I love Adam Cole, and I know the guy should be getting fucking wins, but you can't just have a one-sided feud, quote-unquote, and say, yeah, that was a feud. No. If yeah. it's Adam Cole getting pretty much handouts to get his ranking raised, that's not a feud. And I get the fact that, like, Adam Cole just came here... You don't want to give him a loss too quick, blah, 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 blah. But even if it's, even if it's not like a win, I would like to see the best friends at least get the upper hand in a segment. But every segment that they're in together, mm -hmm. Adam and friends kick the shit out of the best friends. Mm -hmm. How am I supposed to believe and in one, in any sort of situation, that Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander have a chance to beat Adam Cole and Britt Baker when Adam Cole has repeatedly kicked the shit out of Orange Cassidy. And then wins the match, too. And then they win the match, too. Like, yeah. Again, it feels like, a, it feels like it's going to end up, it feels like it turns into a one-sided feud, which really fucking sucks. You gotta make... The others feel like, the opposite side feel like they're like competent in this feud and not just be like, yeah, this is an easy just brush off for, for the super click and red dragon. Like, it's got to be more, it's got to make more sense than just being like a little, like a side feud that means nothing and it's just single-handedly Adam Cole just getting a ranking boost. Like, it's, it, but... Ending was really cool. I thought it was decent. It was really good. Britt goes through the table. Cole just watches as Orange Cassidy looks down at her like, Oh God, I'm sorry I did that. And then all of a sudden he just goes, You son of a bitch. Fucking Orange Cassidy turns around. He gets peened by Adam Cole. We get the boom. We get the pin. Which isn't a, isn't a low, bro, low blow supposed to be a DQ as well? Yes, but the ref didn't see it. She was out there checking on... Or they were out there checking on Britt. Oh, uh, okay. So I they didn't, didn't see it. because literally part. Yeah, because when he hits the boom, he goes for the pin and he screams, Raph! Raph, get oh, in here! And right, then slid right. in and got the pin. And I thought, by the, the ref not being in there for so long, I thought we were going to get a kick out. But it was over, and I was like, okay. Understandable. But I thought it was solid. All four participants look good. Yeah. Can't say, now I can actually add Britt Baker in there. Again, it doesn't make me a fan of her at all, like everybody else. It doesn't make me a fan of her. Yeah, same. It's just, again, it I, I don't want to freaking judge immediately, but I feel like this is one of those, uh, the incompetent things of the, the consistency again. I think it's the whole, this is going to be one of those good ones. 
And then what are we going to get after that? That's the question. And maybe, who knows? Maybe if they keep uh, incorporating Britt Baker with Adam Cole, maybe she'll step it up a little bit and be more consistent. Yeah, because remember how many times I've said that too? I look at Britt Baker all the time and I go, Jesus, man, she's just not that good. How are you with Adam Cole? One of the fucking best wrestlers today. And you just don't compare to him. And that's what fucking crazy. Like, I'm hoping that her being around him for a little bit, even no matter how, even if it's just a little bit right now, I'm hoping it rubs off on her to step it up because I'm tired. I, I hate seeing the inconsistencies of just, here's one good match. Here's 12 bad. Here's another good match. Here's five bad. Like, well, I wouldn't say all of her matches other than the good ones are bad. They're just not what everyone is making them seem. That's what I'm saying. Every like, Everyone is making them seem like they're like the greatest women's matches of the 20th no. century, when in reality they're just on the level of like, okay, all right, or, and yeah, there's some of them that are just bad. Yeah, that's the but thing with her. She's... She's not, she's not great. No, she's not great. She's still, she still doesn't feel like she was, like she was ready to be put in this position. <laughs> I feel like they, again, they jumped the gun because again, she's their first, she was their first woman signing outside of Brandy because we don't count that. She's the first woman signing in AEW and you can't tell me that their first instinct wasn't She's our first woman, she's going to be our first champion, but we don't want to jump the gun on that, so let's just build to that a little bit. But even then, I still feel like she wasn't ready because she was still so inconsistent leading up to the title, and now even when she has the title, it still feels inconsistent. So, but again, she did a good job tonight, or last night, I keep saying tonight. (laughs) She did a good job that night, so... We'll see what happens in the next few matches after this. We go backstage. Jericho, Ortiz, and Santana. Jericho says he doesn't care about Eddie Kingston, but 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. And then he gets cut off by Santana and Ortiz. Who tell him that they might not, he might not care about Eddie Kingston, but they do. And maybe Eddie had a good point because he told Jericho... That he's the reason why that they are not tag champions. And maybe next week they'll focus on themselves. Because next week we'll have a six-person tag match between 2.0 and Daniel Garcia against Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz. It really sucks because I agree with Eddie Kingston. Jericho picking up Santana and Ortiz was one of the weirdest, but most, like, but, like, probably one of the worst decisions. Because Santana and Ortiz, I remember when those two used to go around, and they would be, they were literally labeled the best tag team today. They were so fucking good. Like, you couldn't look around the wrestling world without seeing LAX, Santana and Ortiz. They go to AEW... And just immediately feel like they had a freaking lit flame and it got put out. 
and then relit, and it barely fucking relit. It sucks, because they're such a fucking great tag team. But when you're stuck in a faction, constantly doing fucking five-on-fives and three-on-threes, and, like, what can you fucking do? They haven't sniffed tag team gold. Barely. They've had a few opportunities here and there early on. Way early on. But they haven't even fucking got a whiff of tag team gold since then. And I, I'm i going to be completely honest with you. The inner circle needs to go. Yes. Jericho does absolutely nothing in on TV. I know what a lot of people would probably be saying. No! Not the 2021 PWI Faction of the Year! <laughs> Fuck off, Pro Wrestling Insider. Alright. Every fucking goddamn award you gave out was a fucking AEW fucking you pouring into the cup and drinking it. You drank the Kool-Aid because Pro Wrestling Insider. But yeah... Inner Circle, it needs to go. It Sammy has already branched out, thankfully. Hager's gone fucking Hager, missing. You might as well put him on the back of a fucking milk carton with fucking veer. <laughs> I'm still telling you that motherfucker. Veer got... was on fucking Raw. They fought, they they played a pr- promo on Raw for Veer. Yeah, but still hasn't shown up. At least they showed the fucking promos. I'm again. telling you though. Him and Jake Hager now have been abducted. Get a fucking space search team out there and start looking for them. Because they're fucking on some fucking distant planet that we don't know of yet. Yeah. But the inner, the current state of the inner circle helps absolutely no one. I could... You you could take Chris Jericho... Chris Jericho could retire today and I, it would not affect me. I don't remember the last time Chris Jericho has done anything beneficial on television. I've seen again. I've seen a lot of people that talked about with the whole Hangman situation, that not giving Hangman the title as your first champion was the wrong decision. I still call it that giving Jericho the title the first time, the first champion was Chris Jericho, a name a lot of people know. Yeah means way more than just strapping it on Hangman and going, well, who the fuck is this guy? Why should I give a shit about this guy when there's a guy who we all fucking know in Chris Jericho as your first champion to say, hey, that company's got Chris Jericho. That's a company I should be checking out because they have Chris Jericho as their world champion. Like, that meant something. But just the drastic decline yes. of feud that Chris Jericho the, had once losing the AEW title to Mox. The drastic was, decline of matches for him. Not even just matches, because he had, he's had quite a bit of matches. Yeah, but it's his just, matches still feel like they're going downhill with his feuds. I mean, yeah, but his feuds in itself were just so, so asinine. Like, yeah. the... The Jericho Orange Cassidy feud ended in a mimosa madness match, yep. and we're supposed to take fucking Chris Jericho seriously. Chris Jericho got as jumped he, in a vat of orange juice and fucking champagne into fucking orange juice and champagne. <laughs> then he feuds with MJF, which lasted about nineteen months, which 
never ended and ended terribly because Chris Jericho, of course, won yeah, the, all the, feuds, the entire feud. All the feuds as of late for Jericho have been completely fucking either drug out, really bad, or fucking pointless. Then he went on to the feud with fucking American Top Team, which was some of the worst fucking television you could ever possibly watch. Yeah, I still can't take that five-on-five they had. I think it was at Full Gear. Mm -hmm. So fucking... For a fucking hardcore match, they tried so much to make that good. And there was just nothing to it. The MMA guys pretty much were in the ring for like five and a half seconds and then slept outside on the fucking floor for like 20 minutes. It, it was basically, let's watch the inner circle beat up Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky while Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky, and Dan Lambert just kind of stand there. It was pretty fucking sad because the whole feud to me was so bullshit. Because all it came off to me as was, let's fucking make Chris Jericho look insanely tough because he's beaten MMA guys. Yeah. It, 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 when in reality, he he beat, quote-unquote, beat two MMA fighters, two AEW wrestlers that are not important, and... Dan Lambert, who was neither a fighter or a wrestler. <laughs> it was it was probably some of the worst shit ever. Because Jericho literally every fucking week was just talking shit on fucking Paige Van Zant the entire time. It was just... It was a big fucking waste. It was just another fucking feed Jericho's ego fucking feud and that was it. Like and, it was kind it was just ass. And now he's in this fucking feud with 2.0 and Daniel Garcia who again, it was one of those things like I said, well like I said last episode about why him and Eddie Kingston are fucking feuding. They're only feuding because of fucking Santana and Ortiz because he's put his Jericho's got them in his group, but Eddie Kingston's best friends with them for fucking years now. They're literally fucking feuding because they're both best friends with fucking Santana and Ortiz. What fucking sense does that make? And this is clearly leading to a Jericho-Eddie Kingston feud, but it you expect us to give a shit with repeated tag team matches of repeated tag team matches with fucking Chris Jericho and fucking Pride and Powerful or Eddie Kingston and Pride and Powerful versus 2.0 and Daniel Garcia or fucking Eddie Kingston versus Daniel Garcia or Chris Jericho versus Daniel Garcia. <sighs> they don't even give us a reason to give a shit about 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Like it, it, it's so... It feels so fucking stupid. The fact that they're... They have a common enemy in 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, but they're too busy fucking scrapping at each other's necks because you're, you're with my best friends, but they're my best friends. They're my best friends, but why are they in your faction? Like, it doesn't... 
none of it makes really any fucking sense whatsoever to me because it doesn't at all. Like, I've tried to fucking just make up a different fucking conclusion as to what this is, but it still just feels fucking pointless. It's literally just to give Chris Jericho something to do to make him seem relevant. When in reality... The only thing that can, the he, only thing good that can come out of this is Santana and Ortiz break out on their own. Yeah, he... Jericho needs to call it. Yeah, I'm he not... He brings nothing to this company anymore. He did in the beginning, but we're at the point where just Jericho on TV doesn't do anything. Jericho on TV is just there to fill time. Yes. Next up was CM Punk and Sean Spears. A match... They fucking advertised for a week. <laughs> Again, you and me went into this fucking match with zero fucking expectations so whatsoever. <laughs> Sean Spears... Again, I've already said what I said about CM Punk. Sean Spears is probably one of the most irrelevant fucking people on that roster. And not to, not the fact to, that he's with MJF is the only reason why he's on television right now. Yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't involved with MJF in the fucking slightest, if the fucking group, if he wasn't in MJF's group, he would not be on fucking television. He'd be sitting on dark, twiddling his fingers, sitting in his chair, wondering, huh, When's my next match? When's my next match? It's fucking sad how a guy who fucking left WWE because of his fucking quote-unquote misuse to go to AEW that was supposed to be better for him. But he's literally in the same position, yet somehow fucking worse than that. I wouldn't say he's worse. Because he's he's doing more stuff that he did in WWE but it's it's not like he's doing anything meaningful successful he's he has winning matches on dark and dark elevation that nobody watches and then he goes on dynamite and loses or he just doesn't wrestle on dynamite yeah so we get to this match a match that literally we had fucking zero fucking interest in at all and apparently neither did AEW (laughs) because this fucking match literally was like four seconds the bell rung we got a fucking GTS and the match was over you could have fucking taken a shit longer than fucking watching this match went you could literally get up while while AEW was on commercial if you left this match If you had left to go get a drink to fucking prepare yourself to watch this match, you would have came back and been like, well, what the fuck happened? I thought CM Punk had a match. Yeah, you you missed it. Yeah, it was over in a fucking flash. Like, it felt like the fucking, like, the fucking men in black just walked up and gave you that fucking beam to erase your fucking memory. That's how quick it was. Just, boom, and done. I was like, what the fuck? What was the point? Like, so you're pretty much telling us, all of us that have said that Sean Spears is fucking pointless, you literally took that to fucking heart and went, yeah, Sean Spears is fucking pointless. 
Because this was a fucking waste of a match. Yeah. An like, utter fucking waste. Like you said, and I even... I did some live tweeting during Dynamite, and just... It's just so comedic to me that Ty Dillinger, a.k.a. Sean Spears... Ten, you know? He requested his release and got granted his release from WWE because he felt his talent was being misused. And then he goes to <laughs> AEW when he has this big old grandiose debut. He starts, he debuts with Cody, and he loses. Yeah. And... <laughs> And then he disappears, and nobody knows where the fuck he went, and then he randomly pops up and brings out Tully Blanchard, and then that stops out of nowhere, and then he disappears again, and now he's teaming with MJF and randomly, Then he was randomly in the pinnacle for some fucking yeah, reason. Yeah, he was in the pinnacle, and now the pinnacle broke up immediately after pretty the inner deter- circle. Pretty much deteriorated now. The fucking pinnacle has literally melted. And now he's with MJF and Wardlow, and now this is the quality of stuff that Sean Spears left WWE because he was being misused. His talent, his boisterous talent was being misused (laughs) in WWE. The talent that would last four fucking seconds in a match with CM Punk. I don't care what anyone says. I saw somebody, I saw fucking... The fucking people that, like, the reporters put that this match was 10 seconds. Bullshit! Bullshit! I call bullshit, sir. This match went fucking four seconds. It was literally bell ring, GTS, done. Fuck this match. Fucking MJF tries to attack CM Punk, who then just nabs his scarf... Okay, what else do I fucking say about this? Again, here's the part where we're hitting the fucking straight line of this fucking graph right now. Oh no, he stole my scarf. It's not like I have 25 other at home. Just MJF runs away, and that was the gist of this. Again, this feud needs to fucking step it up, or I'm still going to be uninvested. We get a backstage segment between Billy Gunn and Christian. I felt like we took a time machine back to the Attitude Era. Oh my god. 1997 called They Want Their Heat Match Back. Can we talk about how is it fucking possible that Billy Gunn at his age looks the way he does? It's unbelievable. That is fucking terrifying. How old I've is that man, first off? I've fucking times, but Billy Gunn is the most in-shape person on the AEW roster, and that's of the likes of Brian Cage, who is another one that you fucking got beamed up into the stratosphere. He's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's been on the milk carton for a long time. Fucking Jade Cargill, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Wardlow, none of them, none of their bodies... Compared to 60 fucking year old <laughs> Billy Gunn. I do not understand. If he looked like this in 1997, he would be WWE <laughs> champion when he won King of the Ring. <laughs> it's, it's fucking mind boggling how he looks like that at his age. But we get this confrontation between Christian and Billy Gunn 
Billy Gunn says his boys are ranked top five. It's about time they get a title shot against Christian's boys, oh, Jurassic so, Express. Oh, so now the rankings matter. <laughs> Again, though, they're just top five. They're not number one contender. Cage says Austin and Colton are talented, no doubt. They have their father's genes, but he could never get it done when the lights were brightest, and they need a statement win to earn a title shot. Austin and Colton then attack Christian. Billy gets involved with it too. They leave Christian laying on the loading dock. Austin tells him, statement made. We're, we're about to see a Billy Gunn-Christian Cage match in the year of 2022. I feel like we, we, we were literally in the time machine. We're, we're back in the fucking Twilight Zone. We hopped in the time machine. We went all the way back to fucking all Attitude Era. All the way back era. to Attitude Era 1997. Fucking. <laughs> here comes Christian with his fucking brown chainmail shirt and his long ass hair. And he'll here comes Billy Gunn with a fucking lip print on his fucking ass cheek. This is the most mind-boggling shit ever. I mean, what do you expect when you come to, like, when you think of Austin and Colton, would you think that they fucking wrestle any different? Because they don't. They don't. They're literally just They're... copy and paste <laughs> their father's moveset. It's fucking insane. Just how they're literally just smaller fucking Billy Guns. Just imagine that. Billy, I'm assuming Billy Gunn is the one that trained the two of them. Probably. Imagine if he brought the two of them into the ring and goes, here you go. Start doing my moves. Dad, what's your moves? I do the famous, sir. And I do this hip toss net breaker thing. And I do this slam thing. And... Here, watch these videos. Watch this 12-hour <laughs> video of my highlights. And you can see the moves that I do. And they just, they copied them. They're literally copy and paste, and that's it. But, okay. The guns are getting a tag title shot. Or wanting a tag title shot, I should say. Yeah, because it, yeah. it wasn't even made official for Rampage. Okay, then. That's the literally That's literally where I just want to leave it. At that point, it's just, okay. Fucking Cody Rhodes comes out is our next thing. First off, this shit went to picture in picture. So Cody's in picture in picture, and we see him taking out a ladder. A gigantic ladder, too. He sets up the ladder and gets in the ring, and we're just waiting for fucking picture picture to come away. Which we knew immediately, as soon as he pulled the ladder out, we knew immediately yeah. what was happening. He pulled we, it out, we and we went, point. we went, unification match, ladder match, we get it. Both titles are gonna be above the ring, it's gonna be like Sean and Razor, we get it. Fucking, but the, the fucking promo. Cody gets the mic and goes... He, he, first off, he asked the crowd what they want to talk about. And he's reminded of a man who once sat on a stage and looked at a ring and gave one of the most important addresses in the history of our sport, inspiring thousands of would-be wrestlers, the first hint of a revolution. CM Punk's pipe bomb is pretty much what he's talking about. Okay. I got that. He says... He was told to save this promo, but he doesn't know if he'll get the chance, so he's using it now. He says, Punk laid out a roadmap for revolution. 
Things like going to New Japan Pro Wrestling, working with Ring of Honor, and ultimately teaming with the Bucks. So now he starts talking about himself. As destiny would have it, he was unable to do those things, but eventually he'd wind up in here in the comeback of the year. Now he's, now he's talking about Punk again. First off, I don't even ever remember Punk in New Japan at all, like if that's what he's talking about. So No, he said that he Punk said when he made his comeback, he said that he wanted to go to New Japan okay. and work with him. Interesting. Okay. So he goes, and honestly, the comeback of the decade, if you want, which I will say, I don't think any fucking comebacks ever going to top CM Punk's really. Not for a while. It's, it's going to be a long stretch. He says, we're all living it and loving it in his absence. Cause fucking Cody's been gone for a little while. Oh no, he's talking about Punk. In his absence, in the void Punk left behind, somebody did each of those things, and that's him. So Cody now reverts to saying that the same stuff Punk did and wanted to do, Cody's done it. Okay. He carried every ounce of empty Monopoly sentiment on his shoulders, held every grain of revolution in his hand, and we all cheered. Okay, we get it. Early on, Cody was something fucking people loved. Big fucking deal. He says, why won't I turn heel? Because we jeered him when he needed us most. The fuck are you talking about, Cody? People talk about the forbidden door. And if you're an industry journalist who disagrees with anything he says, check the dates. He built the door. Okay. If he's talking about, he's talking about the times like he was in Japan, he went to Ring of Honor, he went to Impact. Yeah, like, okay, I fucking understand. But just think about it. At that time, you weren't signed anywhere. So you're not really a forbidden door. I'm pretty sure the first place you signed after that was Impact. And you didn't if last I'm long not, then. yeah, it was a flash in the pan fucking thing and impact. Then you left and went to Ring of Honor, which has that fucking working relationship with New Japan. So you were eventually going to end up in Japan anyway. So it didn't surprise me. I hated the fucking fact that he talked about journalists. He just would fucking. not shut the fuck up about PWI. Holy shit. And people say PWI is not fucking getting yeah. cash under the table. He says he doesn't need to see the Bucks wrestle Red Dragon again. And then his real life friend Ricky Stark started a thing with Jay Lethal? The hell was he talking about there? I, I'm assuming he was starting, he was talking about the thing last week on Dynamite where Jay Lethal came out and helped. Dante Martin against uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky. Okay. He says, The lethal injection is the one cutter nobody kicks out of. Avoid, avoid, avoid. And Malachi Black. He's beaten Cody twice, and everybody knows he hates to lose, and he needed no help, 
but added insult to injury by bringing in an agile giant like Brody King, and they don't rename people like Gunner McGillibuddy or whatever. So we're taking digs again. This is fucking stretching it here. This is literally getting fucking pathetic now. He says, which brings him to Brody Lee. Darby Allen, Miro, Sammy Guevara, the TNT champions of past. We've all been conditioned to think any title that doesn't have world in the name is secondary. But they don't believe in secondary belts. And the only reason it might be is because there's two of them. So he's talking about the fact that they have the TBS and the TNT title. Is that what he's no, talking about? He's, or is he talking about the FTW title? No, he's talking about the the TNT and the interim TMT championship. Oh, so fucking stupid. I have a lot to say about this promo, but continue on. He says, so he thinks it's clear what they do, and he knows that Tony Khan has sent him and Sammy contracts in the mail, and maybe it's not the contract he wants right now, but next week, two titles, one champion. What do you say? He then proceeds to climb the ladder and hold the title up. I fucking hated this because he had to bring up the fucking Wednesday Night War shit again. Yeah, I have I have a lot to, to say about this, this uh, promo. This was so fucking stupid. I hated this. this Firstly, I'd like to say that it was reported and Cody did confirm pretty much confirm in this promo that Cody is a free agent. Which, again, I would like to know how the fuck that works when he's your TNT champion, but he's also a fucking EVP. Yeah. Cody is currently a free agent. The funny thing was, is the crowd started chanting Royal Rumble at Cody, and he stopped... And became flustered. I don't know if that means anything. It probably does not. But I just thought it was very comedic. How fucking stupid would it be if he's taken all these digs at WWE and all this other bullshit and just showed up at the Royal Rumble? How fucking <laughs> stupid can you be? The, the other thing I wanted to bring up, or just another thing. He said, just in general, Cody, we all know that current Cody is awful. Yes. He gets booed out of the building. Yeah, and there is a fucking reason why he gets booed. Because when you have a Cody feud, nobody benefits from feuding with Cody. Nobody has fucking had, has walked out of a Cody feud looking good here like they've taken like he took malachi black somebody who i'm a huge fucking fan of and made him feel fucking irrelevant with this fucking garbage that he was doing every week with him yeah but it just seems like every time cody gets booed he he does the same fucking promo it's always a feel bad for me fucking it's always promo. he always do, does the same promo where he shits on wwe he takes shots at nxt he praises aw 
and he does all reminiscing on AEW's past, he and then the all, crowd, the crowd's like, "Oh yeah, woo!" He puts Cody. over, he puts over all his accolades like a fucking idiot. And for some reason, the crowd just does a complete one fucking eighty. Yeah. Because oh, we're a sucker for bringing up the past and taking shots. Like when during the promo, he took shots at fucking. NXT, he goes, we don't need to see the Young Bucks beat he Developmental said, again. Yeah, he said the Bucks almost brought back the Wednesday Night War. And he said that we don't need to see Young Bucks versus Red Dragon because we don't need to see the Young Bucks beat Developmental again. And that that it's, it's good to see that Red Dragon beat the Hip Toss Training School. Like aha, aha ha, Cody! Wow, that was that was so funny. We've never heard that one before. We, wow, so original. Ha, wow. There's just oh boy. This this just felt like Cody fucking bragging, just fucking egotistically bragging in front of everybody. And then he, he and then like, fucking trying to make everybody feel bad at the same time for him. And it was so. Fucking stupid. And then he brings up a fucking... The other thing that we're going to talk about later tonight, but not even even correct, where he said Gunner McGillibuddy. No, he did. He called... He said Gunner McGillibuddy. Yeah, I know. He said that name, which I'm assuming is supposed to be Gunther. It's convenient that those two names are very it's similar. Fucking con- it's pretty fucking convenient that he decided to have all fucking things to go, well, this one seems pretty fucking recent. We could talk about this one. Just, this was fucking a waste. All you had to do was come out here and say, hey, I've been off TV. Let's, d- let's just fucking solve this interim TNT title bullshit. Yeah, and then... And then I the didn't crowd... need a fucking Cody fucking life reminiscent down the past of fucking digging into his fucking accolades and going, huh, look at this. I did it first, even though I wasn't signed with a company about the Forbidden Door shit. Go fuck off, Cody. And then right? he starts randomly praising fucking Brody King. He's like, anybody who walks into AEW with the name Brody should must have some really big balls. Like, That was fucking... <laughs> What do you? What was he even on? I, I Brody King has been named Brody King for the longest fucking time. So just because of the whole Brody Lee stuff, you had to fucking go. Uh, guess what? He's got a lot of balls because his name is Brody. Like, and then there's there's the other uncomfortable thing that he said in the promo, and he said when the other Brody shows up in eight years. He talks I'll sh- about I'll show him too. He talked about Brody Lee's son. Negative that one. he's going to beat the shit out of Cody or that beat the shit out of Brody Lee's son in eight years when he shows up in AEW. And the crowd cheered. It, it, what? It fucking mind boggles me because everybody loves negative one. Like, I haven't seen... Like, I've seen people talk shit about Negative One. But I don't get why. I get it. There's a lot of people that still have mixed feelings about the Brody Lee situation. About how they feel like it's just using it to 
to fucking make money off of and just say, hey, we're the ones who did it and we did, like, like, I get it, all right? It's not fucking right to bring him up like that. There was no need to bring up negative one like that and go, yeah, just wait till he gets older and he's actually able to wrestle. Wait till he's ready to wrestle in eight years and I'm gonna beat the fuck out of him. Like, I fucking hated that. I really fucking hated this entire promo. It was so fucking bull. And just listening to Cody brag and everything. And then it was a fucking, like I said, it was a mix of bragging and feel bad for me. Why do you guys turn your back on me for everything I've done? Well, I don't fucking know. Maybe if you didn't fucking always have to make every feud fucking result in feel bad for Cody because my best friends turned on me feel bad for Cody because fucking this person jumped me, you know, like every Cody Rhodes feud is the same fucking feud. It's a pity fucking story of, Oh, this guy came in on his debut and jumped me, me of all people. Like fuck off, Cody. You're not that fucking important, dude. Nobody wants to see you on fucking television anymore. And then the other thing that it ticked me off, because as it says right here, we've all been conditioned to think any title that doesn't have world in the name is secondary, but that, that they don't believe in secondary belts, and the only reason it might be is because there's two of them. You know what could have fucking changed that? Not had an interim fucking TNT championship match to begin with. It was if so... Cody was going to be off of TV for one fucking show, why have an interim T- TNT title match? You brought this on yourself. You made two titles. No, technically, no, technically it was two weeks. It was two weeks he was off However TV. However long so it was. So in other words, that gives me the fucking sign that the motherfucker got COVID. In other words, it's not an injury, it's nothing else. Cody got COVID. So in other words, if you fucking found out that he had COVID, you should have stripped him of the fucking championship. If he's not going to be on fucking TV for any fucking reason, there is no point in making another championship to go, oh, we're going to have to do an interim TNT champion unification match. Like, I don't agree that they had, I don't think, if he had COVID, I don't, I don't believe that they should have stripped him, but I, it, it's literally 14 days, two weeks is 14 fucking days, you couldn't have Cody on TV for, you couldn't have the TNT title, nonetheless, on TV for 14 days, so you felt like it was a necessary thing to make a second TNT championship. Because Cody wasn't going to be on TV for 14 fucking days? 14 days. And then in the promo, he says that the TNT title only feels secondary because there's two of them. That's your own fucking fault. Yeah. You didn't have to make an interim TNT championship match. Right? If you were going to be off TV, I get it. You probably wanted Cody to do his whole running it back on the fucking open challenge shit. But he wasn't going to be on TV because, from what I'm assuming, he got COVID. 
what was the point of having the secondary title? There, another fucking TNT title. It doesn't fucking equal up right. And I, I'm sorry. No matter what you fucking say, Cody, the TNT title is the mid-card title. Yeah. You could put the TNT title with the world title rankings. You could say as many times that the TNT title is not the secondary title and it's right up there with the fucking world title. No. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You do not see the world fucking title ranking competitors wrestle for the TNT title. The only one that does is you because you can't challenge for the world title. Yep. So you don't see Chris Jericho challenging for the TNT title. You don't see Moxley challenging for the TNT title. You don't see Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, Hangman. None of them. You don't see any of them challenging for the TNT title. The only people that do that... The only people that challenge for the TNT title are people that are not in the ranking. Pretty much. It's it, it, it's a fucking mid-card title. It's literally a mid-card title. He can not call it a mid-card title all he wants. You pretty much have solidified that you have your own mid-card. No matter what you call it. Everybody's on equal fucking plating here in AEW. No. You have your people who are in world title contention. And you have your mid-card. For a reason. It's a fucking mid-card title. It's the fucking people on the show. You try to make it feel like another world title because of the fact that you put it on main events. Yeah, your your mid-card is clearly like your Dante Martins, your Powerhouse Hobbs, your Jay Lethal's, Leo Rush's, fucking Miro, uh, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, those type of people. Yeah, this was a fucking absolute waste i can't wait for this fucking unification match to be over with already we just went on a fucking tirade but I, it was worth the fucking tirade because this was fucking stupid and the last thing i'm going to say about this is if sammy guevara wins that fucking unification ladder match this whole thing is fucking worthless this whole thing will be fucking pointless because there's no fucking reason why they took it off him in the first place yep if you were just going to give it to cody to put it back on sammy there was no fucking point it's the same fucking thing with as much as AEW goes around and fucking says that Brody Lee was the greatest TNT champion. Listen, I love Brody Lee. I really do. It fucking sucks that he's gone. But you cannot fucking tell me that that whole fucking title reign he had that title wasn't just for him to hold the fucking title while Cody was away. Because that's literally all it was. He beat Cody in a fucking squash to get Cody off of television so he could go film fucking Go Big Show. He then came back to take the title back from him. It pretty much was, here, you keep this warm, and when I come back, you give it back. Like, it was fucking trash. Like, they had a fucking amazing fucking dog collar match. But it didn't need to go back on Cody. Like, this is the reason why people shit on Cody. Because everything has to revolve around Cody. It has to be, make Cody look good. Cody's gotta win. Cody's gotta fucking still be strong. If you can't challenge for the fucking world title, all you can do is challenge for the TNT title, you're doing more damage to the TNT title scene than you are doing the world title scene. Because everything is 
Cody's got to fucking hold on to the title until he feels like he wants to lose it to somebody. Like, no. It's not worth doing. It's the fucking same thing with the Bucks. I don't care how much they fucking, they're the longest reigning tag team champions right now. Well, I wonder why. You're not going to not have a fucking person who runs the company be the fucking shortest reigning tag team champions. Like, I'm going to stop getting on a tirade here. We go backstage. Jade Cargill offered an open challenge. Anna Jay answers the challenge, pretty much. Okay. So, she talks about how she's wrapped barbed wire around her arm because I still haven't seen the tag match with her and Tay Conti and Bunny and Penelope for it. I haven't seen it yet. So I have to go back and watch that. So I believe that she's done it. It's just... What's with fucking Jade Cargill and every time she has to fucking turn the TBS into that bitch show and then look at the camera? Like, why isn't she looking at her own at her opponent and saying that? Why does she have to look at the camera like that bitch show? I gotta flash the logo in front of the camera on the title like... I'm still not fucking sold on Jade Cargill. She's still, again, she's all look, nothing else to me. You've said it yourself, too. Yeah. She's still just all look. The wrestling still needs to fucking, it still needs to be there. It's not there yet. Nothing. But we got a TBS title match coming. I'm, it's going to be on Rampage. Okay. Uh, Kings of the Black Throne. Brody King, Malachi Black versus Varsity Blondes. I love fucking Brody King and Malachi Black. Yeah, their their presentation was fantastic, in, in fucking credible. The two of them are a phenomenal tag team, and if they're gonna be part of the actual like AEW's tag ranking, good luck to the tag team division. Yeah, because when those two take the fucking tag titles, it's gonna be great. It sucks that the fucking Varsity Blondes are irrelevant again still. They just... They were such a strong tag team early on. And everyone was like, yeah, they're so good. They're so good. And it's like, they are so fucking good. They're literally just used to fucking feed to top to higher stars. Yeah. It just... I thought this match was decent. I like the whole... Uh, Pillman Jr. kind of guessing himself. Like, he was like, after the little slip-up that he had with Malachi, and he's like, oh, God, do I want to do the springboard now? I'm a little uh, a little nervous to do this again. Like, yeah, I like that they did that. Nice little touch to it. But... And by all accords, it seems like they're playing into the fact that Julia Hart is going to be joining the House of Black. I've seen... Numerous fucking spoilers of people talking about that. I just, I don't get why it has to be Julia. Like, I'm not sold. I'm one of those people that's not sold on Julia Hart at all. I'm not. She's just, she's not that good, really, to me. I don't think her point of being in the House of Black is to be a wrestler. I think it is to just be, like... She's wrestled, though. I know. I know she's wrestled. I, I think her whole point to be in the House of Black... Is to be like the creepy 
fucking like background yeah, figure. Creepy background fucking crazy creepy woman. We'll see what happens out of it because we still haven't seen like she's still got the eye patch on. So I'm expecting her eventually to take it off and she's going to have some corruption in her eye from the black mist. Cuz I've I've seen I seen a video of her that I guess the varsity blondes had like a match on dark or dark mm-hmm. elevation or something like that and she was like in the corner like facing the turnbuckle mm-hmm. but like a decent like between me and you mm-hmm. currently right now and she was like waving at something in the corner yeah. and there was nothing there. Well she's and, waving at the crowd as far as I knew but no, she was, like, looking at the turnbuckles, and she was just waving. Oh. And then Griff was like, hey, what? what's your problem? She's like... And then she just went back to waving at the oh, crowd so and the... fucking smiling. Ah, so the corruption's kind of giving her, like, hallucinations or something. Interesting. But then we get the pack promo. So we're going to run Pack and Malachi Black back again? From the UK tournament in NXT? Sign me up. Please. I love that freaking match still, so... I'm all for them two running it back. I love Pac with his whole... He's like the Mortal Kombat character with his eyes covered. Yeah. That's what I That's what I thought of when I seen that, but then he took it off, and I'm like, ah, crap. I thought when it, the, the promo first started... Yeah, I thought he was... I, I, I thought he was, too. I thought he was joining. I did, too. I thought too. he was joining the House of Black, and then he said that the Malachi's corruption isn't enough to like take control of them and i'm like oh oh okay mm-hmm. yeah it was it was it was a nice little tease but he wasn't and I either was like, way i'm down yeah seeing them run it back is gonna be fun so we get jake roberts with a promo with dan lambert and lance archer so dan lambert is now linked up with lance archer so what the fuck was the point of the feud they had for the longest time? Like, what was the point? Yeah, it, it literally makes no sense whatsoever Like to pair Archer and Lambert up when, first of all, you already have Archer and Jake Roberts together. So it makes no fucking sense whatsoever to have Archer and Roberts and Lambert. Yeah. But, again, like you said... They were just feuding. They were just. It was they. Lance Archer wanting to wanting to beat up Dan Lambert, but so now all of a sudden because Dan Lambert did his whole the world champions right there. Don't let this opportunity pass. Now it's just oh he 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 helped me see the light here. Like what you have Jake Roberts for a reason. Like yeah, Jake Roberts hasn't been on TV and neither of you. But I don't get it. I didn't fucking understand it. We go to a commercial. We come back from the commercial, and Rapongi Vice is on the screen. Yeah. We cut to a Brandon Cutler holding the camera. Rocky Romero and Trent walk in front of the camera. I wonder who said something about Rocky Romero being involved in this. Hmm. Instead of, I don't know, a certain somebody. A certain rebel heart. Listen, I love Johnny Gargano. I really do. But I didn't get why people had to assume, because it's Cleveland, that we're going to get a Johnny Gargano debut. It doesn't make any fucking sense. People are still saying it, too. 
they're like Johnny Gargano. It's Cleveland. He's got to. He's got to be there at AEW. It doesn't mean he's going to AEW. How do we know he's not going to go back? There's no fucking guarantee yet on anything for Johnny about, Gargano yet. How about this? Let him have his kid. Can you just let him live his fucking life? That's the thing about it. Like it still fucking boggles me about it because I'm like, let him have his kid. Let him do his fucking Twitch streams. Let him upload on YouTube. Let him do whatever the fuck he wants until he decides what he wants to do. When he decides what he wants to do, if he goes back to fucking WWE and goes up to the main roster, good on him. If he goes to AEW, good on him. If he does indie yeah. stuff like GCW, good on him. PWG, if, something. If he goes to fucking New Japan, good on him. If he goes to Impact, good on him. I don't care where he goes. But just let him choose by himself. Right. But they talked about the past they've had with the Bucks. How they took the IWGP Junior Tag Titles from them. And I love how they went to the, the highlights of them that we saw. So, we're getting the tag match next week. Is it next week or is it on Rampage? Might be on Rampage. I might be wrong. Or is it on... Uh, it's on Rampage. Okay, so it is. So we're getting it. Tomorrow night, technically. So, good on them for building a little bit of a... Digging into the crate there and going, here's this, here's this. Look at that. They have history with each other. Cool. Okay. I'm sure this will eventually lead to all of Best Friends versus Super Click and Red Dragon. Oh, more than likely. More than likely. Even though that match will be a fucking clusterfuck. Because we know what it's like. Multi, more than fucking four-on-four tag team matches are a fucking circus. Yep. But we went to Frankie Kazarian and Lance Archer. This match was so fucking slow. It was so boring. They did not mesh at all. Kazarian got no fucking offense in it, felt like, at all. And Lance Archer just fucking so slow. He just chugged around the ring. He would just walk around the ring fucking do something, walk around the ring, and I'm like, can we not turn Lance Archer into generic big man? Like, I don't want to watch Lance Archer just hit a move, walk around the ring, and just... It was so slow. Like, I don't know why this match just fucking dragged. Like, I get that Archer hasn't had a match in, what, like, seven, eight, maybe even nine months, but... You're telling me he wasn't training? (sighs) But Archer gets the win. We get Dan Lambert getting an interview in the ring. He says, you don't need to understand his connection with Lance Archer. And then he criticizes Hangman Page's childhood, telling him he's not mentally or physically prepared for this monster. Talking about Lance Archer. Lance takes the mic and says, enough of the cowboy bullshit. He's going to show us what he's going to do. So he chucks the chair that he had on the ramp and goes to proceed to try to choke slam Kazarian on the stage for Hangman to come out. They get in a face-to-face altercation on the ramp. They start throwing punches. Hangman hits him with a boot that he was wearing. Which I was like, that's fucking hysterical, because now he's going to try to fight with one boot on? That's kind of fucking funny. (laughs) I thought that was pretty fucking funny. He attempts the buckshot. He gets blocked. They just keep fighting it off. And then they just... Dan Lambert gets in the middle of the two of them and 
that was the end of it. And I'm like, okay, you're trying to build this up to mean something, but I still just can't get fully invested in Lance Archer anymore. Like, I just, I have no belief in him with this. Like, this feels like a freaking throwaway feud for Hangman, and I don't know why I don't like that. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what they're trying to, like... Like, I, I'm, I'm sure it is just a, a throwaway feud, but I don't know what they're trying to build towards. I don't really either. Because the only person that Hangman has ever even encountered with other than fucking Archer is... Brian, but he he already beat Brian. Yeah, and we haven't seen Danielson since then, which is crazy. Apparently, he was live tweeting during the show, and he said that he hopes he hopes that Cody throws Sammy Guevara, or he said that Sammy Guevara's <laughs> right handwriting is atrocious, and that he wants Cody Rhodes to throw Sammy off the ladder headfirst and break his neck. Oh my God, Brian! <laughs> wow. But we go next to another backstage segment. It's Dante Martin, Lee Moriarty, Matt Seidel. Martin says that Seidel and Moriarty got his back against Team Taz. So now we're more than likely going to get a six-man with Hook, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Starks against Moriarty, Seidel, and Martin. So... Should be an interesting match. It, the, the thing is about this, it's just, it's so confusing. I know, it they're is doing really whatever, fucking... They're doing whatever it takes to get fucking Dante Martin. Just, they're doing whatever it takes to get him still going just to progress to the point that his brother Darius eventually comes back. Yeah, because Seidel and Moriarty even said it, that they have his back until his brother gets back. So it literally is just just side stuff until Darius comes back. But the thing is, is that on Dynamite, Team Taz is only two people. Hook only shows up on Rampage. Team Taz is only Hobbs and Starks. How many friends... Does Dante Martin need to handle two people? He's got Leo Rush. He's got Jay Lethal. He's got Matt Seidel. He's got Lee Moriarty. Why does he need four people to take out two? I have to say, they've done a piss poor job at keeping people that have have been in this feud in it. Yeah. They had Leo Rush, but Leo Rush had his whole fucking thing with... I'm guessing the reason why he's off TV is because of the whole thing with Big Swole. Because he was one of the people that said everything about it as well. So I'm figuring he's off TV because of that. So they put Jay Lethal into it. But now Jay Lethal is fucking, again, disappeared. So now it's just Moriarty and Seidel. So... What's next week? We're going to see somebody else involved in this because you just decided to take Lee Moriarty and Matt Seidel off TV? Like, I, I, I'm i just not crazy for it. I'm just, I want to see this feud. Just, again, like I said, this feud feels like, like a side feud and it just doesn't feel important still. Yeah, Darius needs to uh, pick up the pace here because... This yeah, I don't know Dante, what he's out for, but... This whole Dante Martin thing is running out of steam. Yeah, it's it's slowly going down. 
we did have a counter pro or promo from uh from Hobbs and Ricky. Yeah. But it was okay. It wasn't nothing to really talk about. Cut to a commercial. We come back. We got Statlander and Red Velvet backstage. They're about to start speaking, but then Layla Hirsch comes in to to talk shit about Statlander, about not having the same focus as their matches when the three of them are a team. She cost her and Red Velvet thousands of dollars. Red Velvet just is tired of hearing it, gets in Layla Hirsch's face. Layla drops her. She then attacks Statlander, puts her in an arm bar, refs break it up. What's with the fucking Layla Hirsch heel turn now all of a sudden? I don't know. It's it's super random. It is. Like, you didn't put her on TV for the longest time. Like, I haven't seen her since the Empower show with Camille, which is a long fucking time. But they've been on Rampage teaming up with each other, the three of them. And I just, I don't get the, re- the, the the Layla Hirsch heel turn at all. I don't get why we're doing it. Like, we don't need any more women to turn heel. Because you're kind of pretty low on competent baby faces for Britt Baker. Yeah. And even for the TBS title, if you really want to fucking invest in that right now. But I'm still not convinced with the TBS title. It still just feels like another title. Again, it still feels like a pity prize title, too, because it's the whole, we don't want to take the title off of Brit just yet, so here's another title. You guys can fight for that. Like, I don't get this fucking, this heel turn, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Serena Deeb and Sky Blue. Jobber match. Yeah, this match wasn't much of anything. Yeah, it was just to make Serena look good, but... Not like Serena really needs a jobber to look good. She's really good anyway. Like, I didn't really get this at all. Like, just, again, filling time at that point. Because she is not on TV right now. She's out with the... She's Last time I saw her, she had a picture and she had a knee brace on. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Dan Lambert gets a promo with... Fucking Scorpio and Ethan Page. Ethan Page apparently is calling out John Moxley. Interesting, but I don't get what the hell the men of the year have to do with John Moxley. I think it's just to get Mox back in the ring. It could be. Interesting, I guess. I mean, I think it's going to be good. It's, it's, it's Ethan Page who's really good by himself. It's Moxley. It should be a solid match. Uh, we go, we have a little hype reel for Hook. Again, I really like Hook. I think he's really good. He still can use a little bit of work, but he's still pretty good. Really early on. I love it. So, yeah, Hook has a match on, uh, Rampage. Rampage. With Serpentico. Serpentico. Yep. Um, another backstage thing with the Hardy family office, where apparently Matt Hardy has sold... A massive amount of his fucking Hardy family company to Andrade. Can Andrade feel still any less fucking important anymore? 
if you told me back in like 2018, 2019, where Andrade just got done having quite possibly one of the best NXT title matches of all time against Johnny Gargano, if you told me that in a few years he would be in another company <laughs> buying a f- fictional organization <laughs> from Matt Hardy, I I would probably laugh in your face. But <sighs> here we are, as Andrade is buying 50, I think it was like 51% of a fictional <laughs> organization <sighs> from Matt Hardy. Can we... Can we just stop this Hardy family stuff? It's it's not interesting anymore. It's really not. It's just... Andrade is so unimportant on AEW television. It, it, it's sad. It's a guy who we've seen in NXT fucking doing amazing work. He gets to the main roster and it feels okay, but still very unimportant. To the point where he requests his release, he leaves... Goes to AEW and literally just does fuck all. I think, personally, this may be a hot take, but I feel like this is this is worse than his WWE run. It feels worse. Because you can't even compare this run to his NXT stuff and say it's been good. Because it well, hasn't at all. NXT is like the top... NXT Andrade was like the top tier stuff. He was putting on fantastic mm-hmm. matches... And then after that, the in-between is the main roster stuff where he was still putting on great matches with the constant great matches with Rey Mysterio. Shouts to Rey. And I just feel like everything he's done here is just so below everything yeah, he's done in the past five years. It's it's definitely bottom of the barrel. It feels like we're reaching in, grabbing stuff and going, yeah, that works. Yeah, that works. And that's just about it. And I'm like, just how, like, how can I drop... With the outlandish contract fucking negotiation that was reported with Andrade where he said that he wanted to have the uh, have the ability to veto his fucking losses according to what I've heard from Amanda which shout out to Miss Amanda Jane she talked about that apparently fucking Dragon Lee has that same exact fucking like thing in his contract that he can veto uh wins and losses and i'm like no you shouldn't give anybody a fucking the option that they can veto their wins and losses but you would think with a fucking outlandish contract fucking negotiation like that he would be in a higher profile thing but he literally has done nothing of importance in AEW. It's all irrelevant right now, and it's fucking disappointing. Uh, we get to the main event. It's Darby Allen and Sting versus The Acclaimed. This was honestly really good. It was. It was a very good match. The Acclaimed jumped Darby and Sting before the bell. With Bowens and Caster putting a chair around Darby's neck, and from what I'm reading here, they screamed, Welcome to the Black Parade, bitch. So they made a My Chemical Romance fucking reference. (laughs) They throw him into the ring post with a chair. Medics take Darby out. 
so Sting's in the ring by himself. So, this is interesting the entire time, because you get the Acclaim looking really good by themselves, because they're beating up Sting, of mm-hmm. all fucking people. They their, their intention seems to be to take out Sting at that point. They get to the steps, they pull steps out, Bowens is standing on top of the steps. As soon as we get them pulling Sting over, fucking Darby shoots out of the fucking tunnel like a goddamn rocket and just blasts fucking Anthony Bowens off the fucking steps. <laughs> Holy shit. Now, that's the one thing I'm I'm still, I kind of like about Darby is the whole you can wipe him out thing. But it's just, it's not enough to take him out. It's like, the pain isn't enough. That's the thing I kind of like about Darby. Not only is he really good, but he's got that tolerance to all the pain and all that. But I like how they actually tried to make the acclaim still look good. It wasn't just, oh, they're stepping in the ring with Sting. They're going to get decimated the entire time. Like Sting's going to single-handedly take care of this. It wasn't your typical Darby-Sting tag match where... It was just them running the motions until Sting could hit the fucking Scorpion yeah. and win. It was kind of actually roles reversed to the point that the Acclaim was getting a lot more offense in on Sting and Darby than mm-hmm. like previous opponents. Let's talk about this. Caster is on the fucking floor. And I didn't know what the fuck, where the hell he was. Apparently he was draped on the timekeeper's table. Another timekeeper's table. <laughs> broke it in literally the first mm-hmm. match. Sting goes up on the stage and literally fucking jumps off the stage from a pretty fucking far distance to put Max Caster through the table. He literally got up and he was like, Oh my god, I can't believe I did that. And I'm like the fuck are you doing, Sting? You trying to kill yourself? Like, holy shit. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it feels like Sting... I get why. He, I I feel like the reason why he's doing it is because he's trying to do as much as possible to prove that he can still go. But it doing these dangerous things doesn't really prove yeah, anything. because no, that just, just makes us Just being worry. able to continue being like a high caliber wrestler at the age of like what 60 61 i believe whatever he's like 60 something just being still a high caliber wrestler in your 60s is proof enough that you could still go you don't need to dive off of a stage onto a table and be like hey guys look i could still go like we 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 get we've it. seen that he can still go. Like he's done a pretty solid job at making everyone feel like yeah, Sting didn't need to retire after the whole Rollins incident. Like he's still got it in him at his age, and that's fucking crazy. And I get that he's trying to do as much as possible because he didn't get to retire mm-hmm. on his own accord. Like, that might it, that's probably what this run is about. It's probably just him having his this is his final run. He's going to go out on his own terms. Yeah. Okay. It's I understand. It's the same thing as like all the other people who had spinal stenosis or mm-hmm. concussion issues. Edge, Brian, P- 
Paige if she comes back. Now Sting. All of them are just... Wasn't Sheamus on that list, too, at one point? Yeah, he had, like, acute spinal stenosis, I think it was. Yeah, so, it was... He still got it in him at his age, and it's amazing. But I, I, I like this match really good. So, again, AEW this week, it was okay. wasn't the most mind... It wasn't the greatest show ever. Yeah, it was nothing you to know, write home about, but it was... It had some stuff. It was that, decent enough television. Yeah, it again, it had stuff on it that was worth it. So, we're going to hop over to NXT. Uh, NXT from January 18th. We start the show with a with a car pulling in and it's LA night. Yeah! Yeah! I was like, fucking, the crowd loses their shit. They love LA night. And how can you not love LA night? So fucking charismatic. Talk his ass off on a microphone. Fucking so worth it. It's a fact of life. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> So he could, he picks up the mic, he calls Waller out and says he knows he's not going to come down and look him in the eyes. And week after week, he hears the crowd chanting, Grayson sucks, because they were doing it. They were chanting it as well. Says, but as much as that chaps his ass, there's going to be one sound that haunts him worse, and that's the name of the man who's going to drop him on his head. L.A. Knight. Yeah! <laughs> he brings up Grayson's history. Uh, trying and failing to take him out. He talks about how he left him laying in the parking lot. He took his car, took his girl that he had there. He talked about how she knew that she wasn't that that she could he couldn't get the job done. Mm-hmm. That was fucking hysterical. Grayson Waller just has enough. He comes out. He's got papers in his hand. He says he'd love to fight L.A. Knight. Especially after he attacked him last week for no reason. But apparently he's got a restraining order on him. I was like, fuck. I'm like, goddamn, Grayson Waller is just so good. He's got this shit just seems like down pat now. He's just finding any way to not get involved with that shit. Just to dick tease everybody. And I'm like, keep doing your thing. Waller explains it's a 50 foot restraining order and demonstrates the concept of distance. He does his little knee drop thing as he's backing away. I'm like, that's pretty fucking funny. LA Knight says, that's good, but he doesn't have a restraining order against him. And I'm like, who the fuck's he talking about? And Dexter Loomis's music hits. He slides out of from under the ring, tries to put the silence on. Grayson gets the fuck out of Dodge. So we get a Dexter Loomis, Grayson Waller match. Solid match. Fucking... Dexter Loomis got a little bit carried away with trying to put the silence on him. But I thought they both did pretty good. Uh, Grayson wins with his rolling stunner, which I thought, I fucking love that move, but it's such a weird thing to win with. Like, the fact that you have to roll out of the ring to roll back into the ring is just kind of a... It's a cool move, but it shouldn't be a finish. If he wants to go with a finish, he needs to do the through-the-leg elbow thing. If I'm if I'm just saying. Because the stunner can be the setup. Yeah. Because the stunner is just too situational. Because what if he's in a match where he can't go through the ropes? Like a cage match in the future. He can't do the... He would have to literally just stand there on the ring apron, dive through the ropes, and then just... And that's it. Or like bounce off the side of the cage. Yeah, like... 
it's a it's such a fucking cool move, but it's got to do something. But apparently, Grayson Waller's got himself some backup and a mysterious bearded guy, which I immediately thought it was the other guy from Indus Share that was with Veer. Yeah. I thought that's who that was, because that's who that looked like. But I'm pretty sure he got released from... Did he, though? I think he did get released from NXT because he spo- he took a picture and posted on his Instagram Oh, that was story. during the Keith Lee stuff yeah, with Adam Cole. He spoiled the ending of fucking Great American Bash of the title for title. But that's who yeah. I thought it was, because that's who it looked like. But unless it's one of the other more, more recent signees they had before everybody else just kind of is gone now. Yeah. That was the one thing I thought, but... Okay, so now, literally, if you think about it, he is now AJ Styles. If you think about it. He has his backup. He's really good in the ring when he doesn't need backup. Like, he's pretty much AJ now. Which Mm -hmm. is... But, good on him, because I... I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens from there. So we get... Walter... Hanging out with every, like, yeah, Waller hanging out there. We get the video setting up Roderick Strong and Walter for the main event. When I saw NXT announce this, I was like, oh my fucking God, we're getting a Roderick Strong-Walter match. This is fucking crazy. Like, the only time I think they've ever interacted together was during the Imperium and Undisputed Era 4-on-4. Yeah. It's the only time I think they've ever interacted with each other. So these two got a friggin' one-on-one. Holy shit, I'm ready for this. We get a video package for the Dusty Classic. We got all the tag teams set. The the grid is set. We have the matchups ready. The first one we get is the Creed Brothers. Creed Brothers versus Briggs and Jensen. But we get we go to a commercial when the Creed brothers come out. MSK's watching backstage and talking about how they're gonna have their further first match against Jacket Time. Ugh. Still don't get how you looked at Kushida and said Ikamanjiro needs to be his tag team partner. It still fucking throws me off so much. Like, yeah, I don't it. It, it's, it just doesn't work. But then Legato Del Fantasma come up on them and tell them, they're like, nuh-uh. Because even if they beat Jacket Time next week, they're going to meet Legato Del Fantasma in the semifinals. So, again, if we're getting those two again, sure, absolutely. I highly doubt that Jacket Time is going to beat MSK. Yeah. And Legato Del Fantasma, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure their match is going to be pretty easy for them, too. But I don't know who the fuck. Oh, that's right. Yeah, their match. Their match was earlier on in the night. You're right. But we go to Briggs and Jensen and the Creed Brothers. This was really fucking good. I love Briggs and Jensen. I know a lot of people don't like them. But I really like them. I like the two really big guys. They're just fucking brawlers. They like to fight. Again, as I've said... They give me this generation APA vibes. They give me Caden Murdoch vibes. Fucking, I like them. They're both really good. And the Creed brothers, yeah, they may not have fucking charisma up the ass, but Jesus Christ, can they both fucking go? Yeah. 
This match was so good. All four of these guys are really good. It's It was a fucking awesome tag match. Just the transition finish was probably one of the coolest fucking moves I've seen. The whole suplex into the the torture rack, into the power bomb, into the just death lariat by Julius. It was so fucking cool. Creed Brothers got the win. It was fucking cool. But then we get this. We get the, the vignette on Dante Chen. He talks about He's been out of action with a leg injury because we saw him that one time and then we hadn't seen him for like ever. Mm-hmm. So that was like, well, what the hell? Is he another one of those people that we just saw on TV and then they just took him off TV and we don't know when the hell we're going to see him again? But apparently he's been out with a leg injury. But he also tells us that he's been mourning the loss of his dad. He's talk about how his dad never got to see him wrestle his match. like, And I'm like... Fuck, how do you not how do you not feel for him? Like how do you not want to see him like at that point? Like he yeah, sounds in his first match he barely showed anything. And just from this one promo, you, there's no way you can't cheer him. That's what I'm saying. He's so fucking he seems so interesting with that. Because where is he from? Where the hell they say he was? Yeah, he's the first Singapore wrestler. Like that's fucking awesome. Like love the sound of that just by what it is. And but his first match was so lackluster because he didn't really do anything in that match. He just seemed like he again he just took damn he just took freaking moves and then eventually got one in there and that was it. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like it's like the Cora Jade stuff. I'm just not sold on Cora Jade for somebody who's seen her wrestle beforehand. This doesn't work for me. You can't get invested into somebody who you're just going to watch in a match and just get the dog shit kicked out of them for like 10, 15 minutes and then go and then see them pull out one move and go, I won. It's just not that exciting. But we go to a commercial. Walter addresses Imperium, congratulating him on their success while he was gone. They say they work harder than anyone else. Walter says, today is the day. They start their mission and make everyone in WWE understand what Imperium stands for, and it starts with a victory over Roderick Strong tonight. Okay. We get Dante Chen and Guru Raj. This match goes maybe about a few minutes, three, four minutes, and fucking Duke Hudson comes out. To interrupt and we get a DQ. So not only do you not get to see anything if Dante Chen's got anything in him. After the disappointing first match. You don't get to see anything of Guru Raj. And you just get Duke Hudson coming back out. This was disappointing in my opinion. Because I'm still not feeling Duke Hudson. Yeah it it sucks that they they played this vignette for Dante Chen. That makes you feel for the guy Mm -hmm. and want to see more. And you make him sympathetic and then they have this match where you don't even get to see him basically do anything like he hit a plancha over the ropes and mm-hmm. then he gets attacked by duke hudson yeah and it was just it's so disappointing because now his first feud's pretty much going to be duke hudson. duke hudson and i'm still not into duke hudson i'm hoping that this is the thing where dante chen stands out we'll see what happens when we get there but uh, we see Joe Gacy and Harlan hanging out backstage. Gacy says he's not mad at Harlan. They're not in the because du- they're not in the Dusty Classic. He's just disappointed. 
and this is a time for growth and development. And I'm like, okay. So Odyssey Jones is backstage. They run into him. He's, I guess, out with an injury, you said? Yeah, he had a knee injury on a, I think it was a 205 Live Fuck, show. that sucks. That really sucks. Because I'm starting, I started to become a fan of Odyssey. I like Odyssey a lot, but that sucks that he's out. But uh, Odyssey appears to tell them they're full of crap. Joe asks him how he's doing after his unfortunate accident. He says it's a training injury, a sprain, and he should be back in a few weeks. Uh, Joe Gacy wishes him a speedy recovery, and then he walks back into the trainer's room. Gacy leaves, but Harlan just kind of hangs around. And I'm like, he's going to do what I think he's going to do, isn't he? I'm like, shit. So we get Tony D'Angelo coming out. He's got a fucking wreath. Because he's going to do a fucking memoriam for, for, Pete, for Dunn. Pete Dunn, which was fucking hysterical. So we go to a commercial. We come back from the commercial. Braun Breaker being interviewed. He says he's ready to have the responsibilities of being NXT champion. Acknowledges that Santos Escobar is gunning for him. So we literally got the tease last week. Between, and then we got the confirmation. Yeah, which... Yes, please, Braun Breaker and Santos Escobar. Yeah, really. Electra Lopez comes up, and he tells her he tells her to save it. He's not interested in whatever she's here for. But then Escobar comes up and says he may be champion, but he's not ready to carry the brand on his shoulder. And NXT 2.0 is going to look a lot better with the title around his waist. Braun threatens to kick his ass right there, and Santos says things are done on his time and walks off. So. More tease, more tease, more tease. Like we're just getting, we're getting close to a Braun Breaker Santos Escobar match. Should be fucking insane. We cut to Tony D'Angelo in the ring with a coffin, the fucking wreath, with a picture of Pete Dunne doing his shrug. I thought it was fucking hysterical. He gets on the mic and does the dearly beloved bit, which I thought was again he did the whole dearly beloved, and I'm like that's fucking, this is fucking great. I'm like, it, I love Tony D'Angelo. He's so good. He explains this is a closed casket service and nobody wants to see Pete after he broke the crowbar across his thick skull. <laughs> Tony D'Angelo is fucking priceless. But we can't mourn forever and he's on to bigger and better and more important things and he's got his eyes on gold and he talks about the North American title. We get Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. I still don't get why we put Carmelo with Trick. Yeah. Since when the hell did Carmelo Hayes need a hype man? This man can talk really damn well on the mic. So why the hell did we need a hype man? Why does he need his version of Angelo Dawkins, pretty much? This is something that I really haven't said too much to you or in general. I don't don't think I've said this at all, but Carmelo Hayes' promos... I don't get why Trick had to be with him in the first place mm-hmm. i agree but carmelo hayes's promos are so they're so on and off for me sometimes they hit and then sometimes he sounds so forced and like so robotic like this promo that he did on tuesday it sounded rough like, a lot of the times, he... 
I think he's trying to remember the script in his brain. Mm. Like, he takes, like, a mental note of the script in his brain, and he's trying to, like, picture it in his head while talking. The crazy and thing it makes, is, though, when it I makes think his of... rhetoric sound weird, and it makes him sound like he's talking like this, and then he then randomly starts talking like a normal person, and then he goes back to talking like this. I just, I don't get, I don't know if that's just the way he cuts the promos, the, but it just seems The crazy thing about off. Carmelo to me is I feel like he can freestyle it off his head. Like, he doesn't need to be scripted. Like, he looks like a guy who can, like, and he sounds like it. When he picks up the mic, he looks like the kind of guy that could just pick up a mic and just start spurting off at the mouth of whatever and make it make sense because it doesn't look like he needs anybody to tell him you need to say this, here's some notes here, here's this. Trick Williams doesn't need to be there, in my opinion. Because I just don't get it. I don't... He's a... Again, Carmelo's a fucking really good promo. He doesn't need somebody to stand back there and go, go ahead and tell him. Yeah, you tell him. You want. We don't need Carmelo to have his own Angelo Dawkins. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. It's not working. It doesn't... It's just not... I'm not a fan of it. But Williams says to Tony D'Angelo that he thought they were boys. Tony talks about teammates because they were part of the... The War Games match. But he's got his own boys. And it's nothing personal. It's just business. Trick says he knows his boys. They're all skinny and they look like Vic Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I love when you could take digs at Vic Joseph. Because he didn't even respond to it. He didn't even go, why you gotta talk about me or anything like that. I'm just like, you just took a dig at Vic Joseph and he just said nothing. Carmelo says, you want to talk about business. The title's in his business. And you best keep his name out of your mouth. And I'm like, fuck, we're about to get a fucking Tony D'Angelo and Carmelo Hayes match? Please. And Cameron Grimes comes out to continue the the altercation they had last week with Carmelo. Cameron Grimes tells Tony he'll have to wait at the back of the line as for Melo. Last week, he walked up to him like a man, looked him dead in the eyes, and told him that he was coming for the title but he hasn't heard anything back from him. Hayes then says the two of them to, should have a match next week and maybe the winner gets a shot at his title. Maybe. Grimes says he doesn't have a problem with that because he'll fight all of them and you're looking at a 220-pound rocket going to the moon. But D'Angelo attacks and Cameron's faster and smashes the funeral portrait of Pete Dunn over Tony D'Angelo's head. This was so good. I love Tony D'Angelo's reaction of getting hit with the picture. He was just like, he's like, really? He hit me with the picture. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? He had the look of just, this man chose to hit me with the picture. You're fucking crazy. But we're getting a, it was confirmed later on in the night that we're getting a Tony D'Angelo Cameron Grimes match. The first thing I said is, please let these two pin each other so we are forced to have a triple threat. It would be so much better. And I think if next week, Matt, if next week's match doesn't have any sort of includement with Pete Dunne in it, then I think it's safe to assume that Pete Dunn might be going to the main roster. I mean, we are nearing the Rumble. Yeah. So, 
I would not be surprised if Pete Dunne's in the room. I wouldn't either. He's been in multiple dark matches on SmackDown with Tommaso Ciampa, and I would not be surprised if he's in the Rumble. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. But we get... Same with Ciampa. But, so, looking forward to this match next week. Yeah. We get a another Briggs and Jensen backstage thing, where Josh Briggs is trying to give uh, Brooks Jensen a talk. He's... Then all of a sudden, Casey and Caden show up. I'm like, yeah, they're definitely getting some. <laughs> they're getting some. That's it. Like, because they're sitting there talking, and the fucking camera pans up, and Wendy Chu is up on top of the lockers, just hanging there like she's been there the entire time. I'm like, the fuck she get up there? And all of a sudden she goes... He likes you. She, she tells Caden Carter that fucking Brooks Jensen likes her. And Brooks is like, oh, no, no, I don't, I, it's not like that. I don't, I don't like it. No. I'm sorry. It was fucking funny because I did not expect them to just pan up and go and have her laying there the entire time. Like, I'm like, fuck did she come from? Like, that's so fucking funny. Like, it's almost like she kind of has still some of the Mei Ying stuff in her and she just can like magically appear wherever and I'm like that's pretty <laughs> fucking funny not gonna lie but we go to a commercial we come back we get a video package for Elisa Leone and Valentina Faraz talking about their backgrounds and their shared goals of winning the tag titles and I'm like why didn't you give me that about these two earlier on and I would have been more invested in them because I'm still not... I wasn't clearly fully into them. But then you said, you know, just give it a few weeks. I'll just... We'll just bring this up and talk about their backgrounds and all that shit about... I'm like, I wanted that earlier. I wanted to know if I should be invested in these guys. Not just sit there and go, yeah, they're just a jobber team. Now they don't feel like a jobber team. Now they feel like they're fucking important. Yeah, they, they have them job out... To teams like fucking Persia Parada and Ivy, or not Ivy Nile. I'm reading the fucking, <laughs> reading the prompt right here. The, we have fucking Persia Parada and Indy jobbing, or facing those two when they job out. Or fucking Gigi and Jason, or JC. JC. JC Jane. Here we go with the fucking English. English, suck. But it, it seems sort of, it just seems late. To have this sort of, like, build-up vignette about two people who we've only seen be as jobber enhancement talent. Well, it sucks because they're doing the same thing with... It's kind of like the thing with Idris. How it sucks how they gave him a fucking thing, but they brought him into job. Now they're doing it the opposite way with these two. They brought them into job, but now they're giving you something to give a shit about. about Like, to want to give a shit about them. And I'm like... Yeah, it seems... You kind of did that ass backwards yeah, a little it's, bit. it's really backwards, especially with what happens later in the show with yeah. Elisa Leone. Yeah, it, it, we'll, we'll, cut, we'll cut to that right now. They're, they get interviewed backstage talking about being in the Dusty Cup. So, they're, they're we already know now one team that's a part of it, which is pretty interesting. Dakota Kai comes up to them and laughs at them and warns them about how success breaks friendships. Says the same exact thing that she said to MSK last week. And then challenges one of them to a match. So we get her and 
Yulisa uh, Leone later on. We cut to Ivy Nile and Kaylee Ray. This was going really good. Mm-hmm. And then Mandy Rose got involved. Immediately I get disappointed because unlike everybody else, I'm not sold on Mandy. I'm still not sold on her. I still watch her matches and just see the only reason why she's there is because she's hot. Literally, they put her in a fucking pool to cut a promo for the camera to just zoom down on her and get a tit shot. Like, literally, the, the last week was nothing but her in fucking bikini shoots. Like, I don't give a shit that Mandy's hot. I know she's hot. But her wrestling is so subpar to me. It doesn't, they don't equal up to me like I'm not I, I'm just not invested in her I'm just I'm not and I'm not into freaking I'm, I'm just like I'm on and off with her with JC and Gigi too like I'm just not into it I just it's it's so hard to invest when all I feel like is just huh huh I get I get sex I get the whole sex sells shit but that's not what I'm there to watch for I'm there to watch the wrestling if I wanted fucking Maxim swimsuit I'd go and pick up the magazine. Like, if I want Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, I'll go pick up the fucking magazine. Like, I don't need to fucking see it on my TV, like, something for wrestling. like Especially with your women's champion. Yeah, it's just, it's not, especially with what the women's division is supposed to be now. All this women's revolution shit. It's not about being eye candy anymore. But Mandy Rose is still trying to be eye candy. And I've I've said this before. I, when Mandy showed up in NXT, I I said it. I don't know if Mandy is here to like polish her own like move set and get better for herself, or if it's to like build the the rookies and. I still go by the fact that it's probably a little of both, but it's it's hard to say that either one is working. Yeah, neither one's really doing it. The like, only person who's ever gotten a win over Mandy so far is Cora, and I don't give a flying fuck about Cora. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not invested in her either because of the whole. If you're again, if you're trying to make her an underdog, it's not making her an underdog. It's literally making her what Mandy Rose called her. She called her lucky for a reason. And that's literally all it is. Like, she doesn't do any... She doesn't do enough, like, wrestling-wise, to convince me that she deserves to be in that situation. That's why when she got the women's title match, I'm like, she just doesn't need to be there. She can't be there yet. She's not ready for that. Like, it, it, it... but shock fucking victory, Ivy Nile gets the win. I thought at first that the interruption by Mandy wasn't going to mean anything. And I did too, because she picked her up for the freaking gory special again. Yeah, I I was kind of just, in my head, I was thinking to myself, well, that's disappointing. Ivy's going to get her first loss because fucking... Yeah, and I've grown to like Ivy Nile now. Yeah, I follow the same 
rhetoric as fucking Bishop always says. Hashtag Ivy all belts. Yeah, she's she's really stepped up big time. She looks really good. I love she's like she's just she's she's like she's like she's tightened up the screws. She looks good now. But she gets the roll up, sneaking out the back with the sunset flip. Got the pin. I'm like, damn, that's a big win. She pinned Kaylee Ray. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking big. But then Mandy attacks Kaylee Ray. Gigi and JC come out. But then Indy and Persia come out. Who I really like Indy and Persia. Again, I've said that if Persia was by herself, she'd look pretty good by herself. We know how we know Indy's actually pretty damn good. So more than likely we're getting a six woman we are getting a six woman tag match because it was made that night. Yep, so, next week. Okay, we'll see where that leads to us. Which pretty much uh announces the two challengers for the women's titles. We're yep. probably gonna get Mandy and Kaylee Ray, and we're gonna get Gigi and JC. But more than likely Gigi or um not Gigi and JC, um Persia and Indy are going to be in the Dusty Cup. Yeah. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if they win the Dusty Cup. It would be interesting. Because the Dusty Cup, isn't that for a women's tag team title match? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they win. But we cut to the trainer's room. Odyssey Jones is down after getting attacked by Harland. Fucking Harland is so terrifying. He doesn't say anything, he just... Stands there looking like he's going to murder you. He just chucks the fucking crutch he had in his hand. And as he goes to walk away, we stop and the camera pans over and Joe Gacy's there just smiling. Fucking so happy. And I'm like, that is sick. That is fucking sick. Harland is literally a real life, like, horror movie antagonist. Yeah. He's, he's literally like a real life Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Like, I would not disagree with that. But we cut to a commercial. We come back from the, the commercial. We get a vignette for Saray. Where she says her first year in WWE wasn't what she wanted. Because she, she started off so hot and then immediately cooled off. She was losing a lot. We saw the tweet of just Saray is lost. She's feeling like crap but i guess i guess she went back to japan she's recharged she found a necklace her grandma gave her which found her the strength to want to come back so we got a tease of saray coming back should be really interesting because i'm glad she's back i really like saray i saw a lot of people shitting on this like oh look at wwe making that the generalized japanese schoolgirl gimmick when yeah, I'm I'm thinking to myself. Do you see how many Japanese wrestlers are over in AEW? Yeah, like, yeah. You're gonna complain because the one Japanese or the one of the two Japanese wrestlers in or Japanese women wrestlers in NXT is. Dressed up as a stereotyped fucking schoolgirl. Right? You have a fucking... You have Yuka Sakazaki in New Japan... Or in freaking AEW once in a blue moon. But she's a genie, for Christ's sake. Like... Riho is literally a child. <laughs> That's not nice. Alright? <laughs> Just because Riho is tiny, leave her bay. Alright? I like Riho. But we cut to 
Idris Anafi and Malik Blade versus Legado Del Fantasma. The fucking shock win again. Yep. Idris and Malik Blade get the pin. Thanks to Braun Breaker. Because Santos Escobar gets on top of the ring apron. For fucking Braun Breaker to come out, grab him by the leg, and literally yeet him off the ring apron and catch him and carry him away. And then have uh, Joaquin Wilde get uh, distracted by what's going on on the outside and then get rolled up by Malik Blade. Oh, it was so it was so good because I, I love the shock win. I'm all for it. Like, I want to see if those guys will not only stand out and look good in the end, but I kind of want to see if they're going to make it to the finals just I, because. I'm not going to lie. I literally want them to go all the way. I hope I they want do. Them to, I want them to get their fucking... As much as that means beating MSK... I don't care. I want to see just... I want to see what happens and have them get there myself. I, I completely agree with you there. We go backstage. Roddy's warming up. Malcolm Bivens talking up the Diamond Mine. Talking about how Ivy got the win. The Creed Brothers got the win. And now it's time to go three for three by having Roddy do it. He talks about how, the, how Walter talks about how... And the rest of Imperium say... The mat is sacred. He goes, the mat isn't sacred. It's a revenue generator so they can get paid and move on up to that deluxe apartment in the sky. And I'm like, you had to fucking make that reference, didn't you? <laughs> this is Walter's big and strong and has won a lot of matches. But tonight, the ring belongs to Diamond Mine. So we cut to a commercial again. We come back from the commercial. Solo Sokoa cuts a promo backstage talking about the, the fireball incident last week. He's got mm-hmm. the, the like, towel covering his face, and he takes it off, and the fucking, like, the burn marks. I was like, damn, looks pretty rough. But he talks about how Boa's got his own face paint. He's like, I got my own face paint as well. He goes, you bring yours next week, I'll bring mine. And he just puts this, like, double stripe down his face. And I'm like, okay. Again, it's still not investing me in Boa at all. It's still not giving me to give a shit. I'm more, again, I'm all in on Solo Sokoa. Yeah, but I'm not in on Boa at yeah, all. I don't, I don't give a flying fuck about Boa, but as it was made official for next week, there's a, uh, there's a no disqualification falls Close count anywhere, anywhere match. Should be crazy Solo though. and Boa. And I'm looking forward to it. I am too. It's, again, it's not getting me invested in Boa, but. The match should be pretty fucking interesting. And I kind of hope they end up in that storage spot where they were last time. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Dakota Kai and Yulisa Leon. This match did not need to be a thing. Yeah, I don't get... You had a big main event coming up. And I would have loved to see that match go a hell of a lot longer. And you had to throw this in there. Especially since Dakota Kai got the win. I have zero fucking idea what we're doing with Dakota Kai anymore. None. Yeah, None at all. Like, I don't get the gimmick. I don't know what the fuck she's doing. She's literally just on the roster at this point. She's she's like this weird, like, Harbinger of Doom type character where she just, like, <sighs> s- spurts out, like, fucking bad juju at people. It's the thing I don't get. Like, she's just going around telling people friendship is going to lead to your demise. And I'm like, what the fuck? 
what is that all you do are you just that person that goes around and says yeah your friendship's gonna bite you in the ass in the end and i'm like i don't fucking care like i like dakota but come on she's like that crazy old lady that fucking yells out things walking down the street like watch out for the fucking trees and shit yeah it's just felt very kind of pointless in the end but we get a Raquel Gonzalez interview backstage. She says everyone expects her to make a big ordeal on how Mandy needed Dakota to win the title in the first place. She wasn't pinned in a three-way. She doesn't make excuses. She's still coming for the title. Cora then steps up and says, so is she, but Shirley Gonzalez would like to be a two-time Dusty Classic winner. So more than likely we're getting... Raquel and Cora as a tag team now. Mm-hmm. Eventually. We're not there yet because she walked off. But Cora goes, I'll convince her. I'll convince her. And I'm like, I don't really know how I feel about it. Because now it feels like we're going to turn the whole team into just Raquel does all the work. And Cora gets the benefits like usual again. And I'll easily pass on that. Like... Again, I've seen Cora Jade when she was in the indies. And I know how good she is. She's really good. But watching her on NXT almost kind of feels like a downgrade on all that. Her wrestling is like still pretty fucking sloppy. The whole trying to be an underdog, but I'm not an underdog. I'm just reaping the benefits of everybody else's shit. Just isn't doing it for me. Like, I don't want to see a team go all the way. When it's just one person doing all the work, yeah it it doesn't it doesn't help make me care to see someone just reap the benefits off of somebody else's yeah. doings. It's just it's not interesting. We cut to the main event. So Walter comes out. We go to our we go to a commercial. We come back from the commercial. Idris Anafi and Malik and Malik Blade talk up their victory. Braun Breaker congratulates them. And he's telling them good luck on the rest of the tournament. So they start talking about next week's show and all that. And they start announcing the matches. And we get to the Roderick Strong and Walter match. This fucking match, for the little bit of time that we had, was fucking awesome. It was. This was was so fucking good. I swear, Walter can literally, like... Walter could wrestle a paper bag and it would be good. Walter could chop a good match out of literally anyone. I could literally, you could literally stick a fucking potted plant in a ring with Walter and it would probably be good because it's fucking Walter. (laughs) But the thing is though, Roderick Strong is really good. Yeah. Like a guy his size for how tiny he is should not be able to hit like a truck like he does. Yeah, he is so deceptively strong and That's why he's called Roderick Strong for a reason. Because he's... You look at him and you go, there's no way. And then you see him pick up fucking people like Walter. And it's like, holy shit. Like, that's superplex. I still fucking picture back that fucking superplex. That superplex was insane. Like, the, the way they just crashed. It was nuts. But this was so good. Like, even... Roddy's chops were so much louder than Walter's. Like, Walter's was one chop that he hit early on. It didn't make a lot of noise, 
But you know Walter's chops, when he fucking hits you, yeah. just drops like a fucking sack of bricks. Like, he dropped Roddy with that. I was like, God damn, it didn't even make any noise. But it's still like enough to just take the wind out of Roddy and drop him. But Roddy kept throwing shots like over and over. He'd hit chops and they would just slap just so fucking loud. It was, this match was so fucking good. Walter gets the win with the powerbomb and then we get to the part where the fucking internet had a goddamn conniption fit. They go to announce Walter as the winner. Where Walter picks up a microphone and goes, he says, nine in German. That's German for no. And I'm like, he just spoke German. I'm like, oh no. To myself. And then he goes, the winner of the match is Gunta. And I'm like, with the rest of Imperium making their way out to jump him, the Creed brothers get involved to break that up. And the show goes off the air. With a fucking brawl. So, I know we've all seen it. WWE tried to trademark Gunther Starks. Or Stark. It was just Stark. I thought it was Starks. But no, I think it was uh, Stark. Yeah. Tried to trademark Gunther Stark as a name. So we're all wondering, okay. At first, you when you when you look at the name and you don't dig into it. The name sounds pretty fucking cool. Like, the name sounds awesome. You hear Gunther. That just sounds like fucking badass. Little lo and behold, does anybody fucking know, and apparently WWE doesn't do their fucking goddamn homework, Gunther Stark is apparently a fucking German U-boat fucking captain. So WWE went all the way out there to trademark a fucking Nazi's name to give to somebody. That being Walter. The fucking internet went on a goddamn tirade itself. Immediately, I go, after finding that out, when somebody said it, I was like, are you fucking serious? I'm thinking to myself, so I went and did homework. And I went looking. And immediately I find the name and it sends me to the fucking goddamn person from there. And I'm like, you you cannot be that fucking stupid. You cannot be that fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, my my thoughts about this are... It's, it's a little all over the place. Because when I first... When I first heard it, when... Walter first said it on TV. I made this big deal on Twitter about how he they're changing his name from Walter to Gunther. I assumed that Gunther meant it was going to be the trademark Gunther Stark. But then I saw the pictures all over on the about the WWE.com it's, his name is just Gunther now. Yeah, and but, then later on, like, if I'm going to do it, I saw somebody took a still image, someone took a screenshot of a Fightful tweet that says that WWE has now abandoned the trademark of Gunther Stark. So that means either one of two things. 
either we all fucking got a, in so much of a conniption from finding out what it actually is that we got WWE to say, oh God, maybe we shouldn't do it. Or it's just not the trademark for Gunther Stark and they're going to try to trademark just Gunther. Well, the speculation about Walter's name change to Gunther... As you said, he he did it, He this was his decision. Yeah, it, it's speculation that it it is... It was Walter's decision to change his name because he didn't want to risk the fact that WWE could trademark his name and then him have to worry about legal troubles if he ever got released to try to get his name back. Which, again... I completely would understand, especially if that was one of the things with Keith Lee, why we didn't see him on TV, was because WWE tried to trademark Keith Lee, and he had the whole dispute about it. So I understand that. I would not want to see him go out and, like, it'd be so fucking weird to see him in another company if he ever left WWE, and he wasn't anything but Walter. Like, it would be fucking bizarre. So... Again, it's just, it's one of those fucking things that just leaves you so just confused on how to feel about and it. Because it's like, it's such a, it's, it's it's a cool name. Gunther sounds awesome. And the thing is about it is that if Gunther Stark was any other fucking person than a Nazi U-boat commander, it would be fucking, it would be so fitting if he was just a German commander. Just I would still be not, a little... Not even Nazi, just Germany. Like, past the Nazi area of history, just German. Like, he was a German commander. If he was a German thing... If he was a German commander outside the... of... The, like, yeah, like you said, past the Nazi thing. Like, if it was, like, somebody named Gunther that was, like, served in their, in their military, like, after the whole Nazi Germany shit... It would make sense. It wouldn't be as bad. But the fact that it's a name associated with a guy who's a Nazi is what I think is, again, is what's making everybody so, like, desensitized to it. And I've seen a lot of people that are like, you'll get used to the name, you'll get used to the name like usual, like everybody else's. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I can get used to that. The thing is, it's like, like I was saying, I don't want like, to assume Walter's a fucking Nazi. Like the, like I was saying, the name, the name is so cool. But if it just didn't have that background, it would, it would be so much more like I'd be so much more willing to accept Gunther Stark as his name. I showed you the picture of the actual dude, and he legitimately looks like Walter. That's uh, again, that's a fitting thing. But like, but it, it's just the backstory and the history yeah. of the name Gunther Stark yeah, it's that the raised fact that it's of what it actually is. Yeah, is the, what the, is makes it so distasteful. The history of the name just made it so souring mm-hmm. to have Walter of all people have his name changed to Gunther. And people immediately thought that it was going to be Gunther Stark. But it's now just Gunther. Which to me is still... It's not bad. But I still just don't... I I get to 
I get what if if it's really the reason that he didn't want to risk the fact of getting released and having the name Walter mm-hmm. trademarked by WWE that he couldn't use it. Yeah. I get if that's the reason. And I've seen a lot of people saying that WWE already has the trademark for Walter, the name Walter. So I have no fucking clue. I don't think they do, because that's the thing. I don't know if they trademarked it when they signed him. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't know, because that's a contract thing. I Contracts are not my specialty. Me neither. I don't fucking delve into that shit. But I just... if It's just another one of those situations that WWE changes something that it, it doesn't need... It it's, doesn't mean it doesn't need to be changed. Why it, does Walter need to have his name changed? We, what is so wrong with seeing this dominant man come out and have his name be Walter? That's what I'm saying. It doesn't. It it, it literally was one of those things of if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's exactly what this is. This is one of those situations here. Yeah, it's it's not a situation of like shortening shortening a name like fucking Antonio Cesaro to Cesaro. Or Adrian Neville to Neville, or, or Alexander Langston to Biggie, yeah, or Al- Alexander Rusev to Rusev, something like that. It's legitimately changing the guy's name that he's had for his entire wrestling career. Yeah, he's been Walter even before he came to NXT and WWE. Yeah. And now you're changing his name. Presumably it wasn't his decision. If it wasn't his decision, you are changing his name for no fucking reason. It just, it's souring. And I'm so, even still today, I'm so conflicted on how to feel. Yeah, that I think, again, it's, it's one of those things that has that whole feeling of, it sounds fucking cool, and I get why he would do it. But the fact, again, that... It has that background to it. That the backstory to it is actually what it is. Well, it, it's safe to assume... It, it does. It leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And that's what I said last night after the show went off. I was like, well, that's a fucking really like sour fucking note to end the show on. Well, thankfully, it, it kind of seems that WWE has some sort of knowledge and brain power that they're abandoning the Gunther Stark thing, and now they're just calling him Gunther, because Gunther, in general, is just... It's hard to assume that... But, but even then, but it, is it still going to be one of those situations that even just Gunther is going to be something that you dig into the past and go, yeah, it's still the same fucking situation here. Well, just because you cut one name, one part of the name, doesn't mean that the name isn't fucking something associated with what it is. I think... Like I said, I think the majority of the outrage from the IWC all over the internet was mostly because they connected the dots, saw the trademark of Gunther Stark, and assumed that when Walter said his new name was Gunther, they thought that Gunther Stark was going to be this Walter. And I feel like that was actually the case that was going to happen but some sort of something within changed. Either they saw the history on what that yeah. was, what that name was, or the fact that they saw the outrage and was like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that. And now they abandoned, like you said, they abandoned 
the trademark. His name is just Gunther. Yeah, but, so that makes me wonder. Like I said, I wonder if it's actually just, if they're tr- still trying to trademark just Gunther, or if they're just not going to do it now. That's the question. We'll only have to freaking figure it out. I feel like he's, I think he's still going to be Gunther. I mean, it, it again, it's one of those weird fucking things where it just, you, you want to ignore the past at it, like, and not think about what it actually is. Because it sounds fucking cool. Like, it's not that bad. The name isn't really the worst name at all. But the fact, that, again, that it's associated with what it is... Well, it, no, it, it's, Gunther Stark was associated with that. The whole name was associated yeah, with it. Yeah, but Gunther is still associated with that. Because Gunther is a name is the name in it. So it still kind of leaves a bad taste. A little I, bit. It's, one of, those, it, it's one of those weird situations where... We're either just gonna fucking ignore it and just deal with it, or we're still gonna be fucking talking about it for months. I think the just the name Gunther is more safe and has less in, has less historical impact than the entire name Gunther Stark because Gunther Stark is directed right at that person. Gunther is a there you could find hundreds of thousands of people named Gunther. There, it's just that one name, Gunther Stark, mm-hmm. has that sour history. Yeah, and it's 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 just gonna come down to time, and that's what's crazy about it. It's just gonna come down to time and how everyone feels about it. Like, is eventually everyone gonna get used to it? Or is everyone still going to be on about it? Like, it's it's going to be one of those things. And that sucks. And I, I get a lot of people bring up the argument like, oh, the name changing a, a wrestler doesn't change the in-ring ability. He's mm-hmm. not going to change at all. But it's just the fact that for the entire time he's been in WWE, in NXT, and even before WWE and NXT, he has been Walter. He made his career and his reputation around the name Walter Mm -hmm. and for literally as we know because we know absolutely nothing and reports and dirt sheets are bullshit yeah for all we know his name was changed and we do not know why yep and it it's I I get that changing a name doesn't do anything it's just his reputation as a whole he was known as Walter, mm-hmm. and changing the name to Gunther means absolutely nothing. Yeah, we're just gonna at this point, like I said, we're gonna have to just see what like what, what happens. Like, yeah. is, is is are we still gonna go through with just Gunther? Is this just fucking throwing it away and just calling him Walter again? Like, we're just gonna have to see to see what the hell happens at this point. But by all accords, it seems like he's still gonna be Gunther. Yeah, and again. That'll just take time. Yeah. It'll be time to see if anyone just finally just says, okay, it's not a bad thing. Like everyone said, we, we got used to Cesaro, Rusev, Neville, yeah. Harper, Rowan. So we'll see. We'll just have to see what it is. But this fucking episode went long. <laughs> Very but, long. But it was it was fun. We had fucking fun doing it. So That's the whole point of this. Just, just bullshit right? talk. We're idiots with a fucking recording system. Right? We're, <laughs> or we don't have a microphone and a laptop like Bishop says, but we have our ways to record it now. So, we... 
we're, we're going to try to be back for SmackDown. Like, we're probably going to try to do an episode on SmackDown. Yeah. Because we have not done any episodes on SmackDown yet. I want to do some on Raw, but I feel like a lot of the times it's just going to be us shitting on it. And I don't, I don't, personally, I don't think people want to sit down and watch us shit on Raw for, like, an hour. Yeah, I, like I said, we're going to try to be back for SmackDown probably Saturday. Yeah. Because it'll give us time to to prep ourselves for for what happened after SmackDown. You know, we don't have to jump right on it. I give props to those that can do that, that can watch the show and just immediately have notes and everything, and they're ready to go, like, and just jump right on and record, like, shouts to Above the Ring. They do that stuff. Scott and Sam, they do that stuff. They, they, Scott jumps right on after Raw starts recording. The show's up tomorrow morning. Like, he hops on after NXT. The show's up the next morning, like, he fucking is on point with that stuff, and I give him so much props for doing that, like, I can't do that, like, it gives me time, it gives us time to, to process what happened, kind of figure out what the fuck we're gonna talk about when it comes to SmackDown, but, that's it, episode three in the bag, you can follow us on Twitter, JustinTime211, Jeremy in Time 721 this is the In Time Wrestling Podcast, and we are out of here.